I know who I'm taking. Okay. I'm going to take some grit. Uh, <laughs> fuck. I'm going to take Ryan Malone. There you go. You, okay. Surprisingly, like, way better numbers than I remembered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The 1999 Soups on Hockey Redraft Show. Welcome. I'm Tyler Campbell. With me shortly will be Jason Tremblay. <laughs> 1999's draft. Ooh. I can still, I can still smell it. That stink is so bad. That is... That is hockey Chernobyl. It is just never going to be safe to go back to. It is that bad. It is... Whoa. This draft was supposed to be good. This draft was supposed to be good. And it's about... It's about... As you'll hear on the, on the redraft, it's about 10 players deep. 10 players that are worth your time type deal. I mean, there's it's not to totally shit on the, the players after that who are still available, but if you're looking for quality, it's about 10 players deep. Now, it has arguably three Hall of Famers in it and one other guy who I... I say could be a Hall of Famer. I highly doubt he's going to be, but just just given the criteria to get in the the Hockey Hall of Fame, I could see it, uh, even though I would never put him in. Uh, and I don't think he'll get in. I think it's an extremely long shot that he ever got in. But uh, And then it just goes off a cliff. It really does. Uh, yeah, this is... You know, I say it to Jason off the top of the show here, but give me an A or give me an F, as Jim Rome always says. And uh, part of the reason I wanted to do 1999 is because it gives you an F. And I thought it would be a fun show to do because it's so bad. And it did not disappoint in that. So, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And... uh, (laughs) uh, Don't forget, please support the show. Any way you can, it it means a lot. Five-star review on Apple, uh, like, share, and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, Just just always, that stuff always helps a ton. So it means a lot to me if uh, you take the time to do that. Then I hate asking. I I always say that. I hate, and this is not a recording. Anytime I say this little speech, I'm not even reading it anymore. It's just kind of what I remember off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I, I do. I hate asking people for favors. It is the thing that I loathe the most in this world. Uh... But if, if I ever want to make this a go, then I'm going to have to learn to ask people for favors. So here I am asking for a favor. Um, yeah, but that part's done. Let's get on with the 99 redraft. JT! What's going, going on, bud? Going well, going well. Good, man. Are you uh, ready to cover... 
perhaps the most disappointing draft in league history. Early slept last night with excitement for covering these <laughs> amazing careers. One of my favorite quotes, and you know what a fan of Jim Rome I used to be, because I never used to shut up about him to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite things that Romy probably still says, but I don't listen to him much anymore, is give me an A or give me an F. So we yeah. could we could do a draft. You know what? 2008, honestly, even though it didn't meet expectations, it's probably giving you an A. And, yeah. ni- and 1999, it is a capital F with an exclamation point, isn't it? Yeah, it failed on all levels. And I think what Romy was getting at was kind of our what our fantasy sports motto used to be, either win the draft or finish right at the bottom so you get a good pick. One like, and that's what, yeah. So yeah, true. So yeah. And that's how I feel about my sports teams too. Like I there's nothing worse than being stuck in the abyss of being in the middle of the pack for a decade and just not going one way or the other. One hundred percent. Yeah. But this draft definitely tanked. Yeah. Yeah. And uh well let's just get right into it. Takes place June 26th. The actual draft takes place June 26th, 1999 at the then Fleet Center, now TD Garden in Boston. Um, I just started off with a quote, and it's from the Wikipedia page on the 99 draft. Quote, according to Sports Illustrated and other sports news agencies, at the time, the 1999 draft was considered one of the deepest in talent in years. (laughs) Jason, given that piece of info, it, it, I don't even know if I want your opinion because I think it's the exact same opinion in mine. Like, it has to be hands down the worst draft of all time when you factor in the expectations like that, doesn't it? Yeah, and I don't know if it's uh, close. The funny thing is that another one of the worst drafts of all time would have been, like, the very next year. Yep. Uh, so, like... There wasn't a lot of great young talent coming out at that time. So, okay, it's that, it's funny. We don't go over each other's notes prior to this too much. Yeah. We go we over a little stuff, but that was next in my notes. And actually, oh. I just recorded with Colin on Thursday night and we did, we covered the 97 draft. And early on, I said to Colin how the dead puck era must be to blame for the atrocious drafting that takes place at this time. Uh, but, you know, same question to you, because from about 94 to 01, the drafts are deplorable. Yeah, and you just, you just think there's no way that awful stretch can just be a result of bad scouting, bad development. The game changes so drastically from 93 to 97. And junior hockey to pro hockey basically is an entire difference, entirely different sport, isn't it? The young players just didn't get the freedom to to be creative, to use their talent. Like now, teams are drafting for talent, and they're actually letting these young players come in and and be creative and mm-hmm. try new things. And, um, you know, that's why you see most of the leaders among the, the best teams in the league are 25 and under, with a few exceptions. Obviously, like Sid's getting up there, and, mm-hmm. but, like, you look at both our teams, their, their core is based, like their best players are like under 23 years old or whatever. Right. Yep. And it's that, that was pretty rare 
back then. Like it took time. Even uh, the Sedins in this draft, they didn't just tear the league up when they came in. No. Oh, geez, no. They were. They looked like busts for a while. Like, I wouldn't say busts, but they they definitely didn't. Disappear. Like they've. Yeah. Cre- they've Vancouver had to be super patient with them. Yeah, they did. So they, uh, yeah, like I remember, they had so much hype. And, uh, you know, their first season was 01. They were, they were fine. And then that's kind of where they sat until about 07. Yeah. Uh, 06, they, they were definitely better in 06. Uh, you know, they were still stuck behind, you know, that that was the last year of the West Coast Express line in Vancouver with Naslin, Bertuzzi, and Morrison. Uh, yeah. They really got their chance in 07. And then that's when it finally just rocketed. And, I mean, the new NHL was perfect for them. You think of their cycle game combined with their finesse. And it was just tailor-made for the quote-unquote new NHL. Uh, yeah. You remember when it was constantly referred to as the new NHL? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Miss those days. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like we're. I might have we're... some hot takes on the Sedins. Like I'm not. I, we'll see. We'll Ooh. we'll get there. But I don't have the same adoration and love that a lot of people have for them. Ooh, interesting. A little foreshadowing there, or not really foreshadowing, because you literally told us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but maybe I maybe I love them to death. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> well, yeah. they're but they're the big story in this draft, and even more so than them is the maneuvering that takes place by Brian Burke. Um, this is Berkey's first first draft as GM of the Canucks. He had uh, he had replaced Mike Keenan. Uh, I'm trying to think if he had fired Mike Keenan by this point. I believe he had. Uh, I want to say he came in in the summer. I should have researched this part. Yeah, he hired Mark Crawford, I think, right away. Yeah, because Crawford was gone in Colorado after 98. And you remember, actually, speaking of that, you remember Crawford was heavily rumored to go to the Leafs. Yeah. If I'm not... Well, he, he, he coached in their minor league program. Right. That's right, too. Yeah, yeah. so he was he was first on their list, and they kind of settled for Pat Quinn. Uh, yeah, because I remember, well, you know how much of a fan my brother-in-law is of the team. And I'll, yeah. I'll never forget when the Oilers knocked off the Avs, he was pumped. And I remember he said, yep, Crawford's going to Toronto. And he yeah. was just sky high about it. Uh, probably good for the Leafs that, I don't know, is it good for the Leafs that they didn't get Mark Crawford? Or Yeah, I think uh, by all accounts, he was kind of like, the Babcock of that area era. Now that you look back and and you see, hear all the stories come out, apparently yeah. he was not the easiest guy on uh, on players, but like the way he treated them anyway. That's a great comparison. That's yeah. That's I look. I really like that. That's uh, yeah. I was kind of surprised he didn't lose his job in Chicago this year after some of the stuff that came out. But yeah, especially as an assistant coach, like it's not like he ran the oh, program exactly easily. It easily can be replaced. Player. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so so Berkey, Berkey and Crawford, it's their first draft uh, yeah. running things for Vancouver. So Berkey wants the Sedins, and the Sedins have made it known that they would like to play together. And if I remember the way I read it in one article was that basically they saw Vancouver as the only team that had a true opportunity to do the kind of maneuvering that does go down. Um, so Brian Burke trades to start this off. 
He trades Brian McCabe. Well, I should say he has the third overall pick going in. Yeah. And so to start it off, to get the second pick, he trades Brian McCabe and a future first, either in 2000 or 2001, was the Hawks' choice. They ended up taking the pick in 2000. And he gets Chicago's pick, which is four. Uh-huh. Then he took the fourth pick and packaged it with two third rounders to Tampa for the top pick. And Tampa had won the lottery. And I believe they didn't have the best odds, but they had won the lottery. So now he's got the first and the, and the third pick. So you'd think, well, that's probably a slam dunk. But to essentially ensure that the Thrashers wouldn't fuck it all up on him, they did a flip of the top two picks that promised the Thrashers would take Patrick Steffen at one, guaranteeing that the Sedins would be there at two and three. Um, yeah, it's it, it's pretty incredible that he was able to put all those pieces together on that draft day, isn't it? Yeah, and it was Don Waddell, right? Yep. Yeah, and the funny thing is Berkey actually, like Waddell actually told Burke that he was taking Stefan at two. And Burke told Waddell, well, Ted Turner's in the crowd. You can be the first ever team to draft first overall first ever expansion team to draft first overall and you can impress ted turner with taking the first overall pick patrick stefan uh, give me a third rounder and i'll let you move up and take stefan a pick earlier and that's I, what i never knew that yeah i heard burke say that and uh i saw i heard him on tim and sid and he said that a while ago and uh yeah so like waddell would have got the same player at two but he wanted to impress ted turner so he traded a third rounder just to pick first that's really interesting. He's yeah. it, it's would, would that have been the time he was on right before they did their jersey retirement out in Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah, and he was I think he he was there, right? And, yeah. and they they he had they had him on from yeah. from Vancouver. Yeah. I I missed that story. No, he was, awesome. he was in studio with them. Well, I mean, I try to never miss when he's in studio with them, I'll tell you that cuz he yeah. he he's Honestly, he is such we we were both always massive Brian Burke fans when when Berkey was rumored for what a year and a half to be going to Toronto. Oh, I was pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I was saying to you, they're gonna they're gonna rebuild it right and he's gonna lead them to the promised land. Like I just I yeah. was I was sky high on the move and and obviously it didn't work out, but no, still. but his, it wasn't from a lot like his free agency left a lot to be desired, but his trades, like if you go over his career and the trades he's made in his career, yep. they're pretty actually unbelievable. And yep. even that Kessel deal, he gets shit on constantly for that. That was that deal could have easily went the other way. I've said it a million times where it was a steal for the Leafs. Like if they end up, if they end up um, instead of, you know, so, nobody expected them to have the second pick that year. Like the, right. it was the perfect storm that ended up happening. And, but if, if, if they would have ended up giving up a two tenth overall picks even, or two yes. middle of the road, first round picks, that's a, that's a steal of a trade. Well, just thinking out loud, the 10th overall picks in 2010 and 2011 are Dylan McElrath. Yeah. And Jonas Brodine, I believe. Yeah. Well, like the second year they got Hamilton or whatever, right. Or was yes. he a, Yeah. He was the ninth pick. So even if it was up. Hamilton and then just the Sagan year was was McElrath or something. Like, yeah. Like that that deal goes down as a steal for the Leafs then. Mm-hmm. 
you know, yep, because because the, the forgotten part, the forgotten part of it all is Phil Kessel, damn good player. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't a, he wasn't a mess in Toronto. He just, he was, he was what. <clears throat> I'm, I'm rarely right about a lot of things, but I was right about that where I said he needed to be a complimentary piece on a really good team. He cannot yeah. be the the guy. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. He went to Pittsburgh and won a couple cups and was exact. And then he wore out his welcome there too. You know, that's just who he is. He's, yep. he's yep. not going to be a leader on a team. No, it, exactly. That's a, that's a very, that's a very fair assessment of him. Uh, you're right. A lot more than what you just said, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's why a couple, couple uh, interesting points about that, uh, that also came out of that interview is Brian Burke said he was trying to actually get the first pick from, uh, or he's trying to get the second pick from Atlanta um, mm-hmm. flat out. And he want like his plan, initial plan was to ha- end up leaving that day with Brent, with uh, Stefan and the Sedins. And, oh, wow. Yeah. I, for- I, I swore I saw that interview, but I totally forgot about this. Yeah. Part. Yeah. And, but then Atlanta would not trade the pick. And uh, so that's kind of what happened. And apparently Tampa wanted to draft Daniel first overall. Rick Dudley, he was going to take Daniel, Mike Barnett, and Burke basically convinced him that Daniel wouldn't sign unless he plays with his brother. And, you know, right. that got me thinking, like, it's all the public perception. Like, look at what the public perception for Eric Lindros was at the end of the day. Yep. And basically the Sedins are saying behind the scenes, like, either we play together or we're not signing. And nobody ever yeah. says a word about it. That's very that oh man that is a very fair point you know, yep. But well, because it's almost like they're given a pass because well you know they want to play with their brother oh it's, it's exactly fine. but it is it's bullshit. But Lindros doesn't want to play for a garbage owner and yeah and is he gets vilified <laughs> his entire career and it's been proven it was yeah. proven when Lindros was playing yeah. that Michelle was it Michelle Obu is that his name Marcelo Obu. Marcel, yes. Yeah. And he is proven the guy's like a looney tune. Yeah. And yeah. Like, why? Of course, Lindros wouldn't want to play for him. Yeah. He said at the time he's worried that they're going to move. That was one of his big reasons why yeah. he didn't want to play there. Yeah. What happened in 1995? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I know. That, that one that Colin and I did um, when we did the 91 draft, I mean, you and I could do that one again or just do an Eric Lindros episode in general. Oh, yeah. And there's so much. It's so fascinating to get into his career. Like, yeah. it, there's just so much there and so much wrong. I don't know if a guy's ever been more wrongly done than Eric Lindros, but let me not go down this rabbit hole or else we will be doing a five-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing in this draft – um, well, something that people maybe don't realize there's three hall of famers in this draft and there might even, I wouldn't have been, but there might end up being four, uh, as the best goaltender in this draft might someday have people making the claim for them. Um, uh, there's for, not, there's not three in my hall of fame. Ooh, is there only one? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Ooh. <laughs> And I thought I was the Canucks hater of the two of us. <laughs> 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 you, 
No, but fair to fair to say you you would fully say for the for the hockey hall of fame, you know that the twins are getting in there. Oh yeah. And it's just yeah, and you're like, you know, it's Colin and I say it all the time, and you and I have said it for years, like our Hall of Fame is a lot more we're small hall guys. Yeah. Is is the best way to put it. And that's the way it should be, in my opinion. And yeah. Um other than that, like the Sedines are the only players in the first round to go over a thousand games. And in fact, nobody else even hits nine hundred. Um, 19 players from the first round failed to reach 350 games. Hmm. 19. Mm-hmm. Another fun little tidbit from this first round. Well, it's not really from the first round, but from this draft in general. The Yarmer Yager trade, the first Yarmer Yager trade, all three picks, all three players that go to the pens for Yager come from the caps in this draft. They're top three picks in this draft. Chris Beach at seven. Michael Civic at 27 and Ross Lupus Chuck at 34. Um, I would say, and seeing if you agree, pretty shitty luck when you give up a pack of nothing for arguably the best player in the world at the time and the trade doesn't work out at all for you. Yeah. Although it could be worse, you could have gave up a ton. That's true. That's true. At least, at least you gave up nothing. That's very true. Because yeah. Yager, they have one playoff appearance in two and a half seasons. He ends up being a salary dump to the Rangers by 04. And in that salary dump, this is how much Yager's value diminished. And Yager had a monster contract too. So I yeah. want to say he was well over 10 mil a year at the time. Uh, they get Anson Carter for him, who plays 19 games and then he's done. Yeah, I don't so know they what, literally they literally got nothing for Yager. Like what? What the hell happened to Yager in Washington? Like it was bizarre. Like he went from a hundred and twenty point player to just like barely a point per game player in Washington, yeah. and then he goes to the Rangers and he's back to a hundred and twenty hundred point player. I almost wonder, just thinking out loud, if it was just the coaching and the and the uh, the culture there, because if you remember the culture in Washington pre Ovechkin, yeah, it was that was the most boring franchise in the league. Oh yeah, like they well maybe next to Jersey, like they were they were just captain boring. Yeah, they were. You know, you don't think of George McPhee as that guy, but David Poyle was sure that guy, and his fingerprints were still all over that franchise by the time Yager got there. Uh, who coached them? Yeah, like during the Yager. Pardon me. Who was their coach? Um, was Ron Wilson there for the last year? Oh, I think Ron Wilson was there for '02, and then they hired Bruce Cassidy, if you remember. Oh yeah. And that was the first time Bruce Cassidy goes to Washington and flames out and never gets another job until until the Boston gig. That's right. I forgot. Which that. is crazy. Cassidy was only thirty eight at the time, maybe. Yeah. Like he was crazy young. So it turns out they actually had a really good coach in mind and uh, he just wasn't ready. Uh, You know, like Cassidy's one of the most underrated coaches in the league. Yeah, he's a good coach. Yeah, like it's crazy how people forget that Boston Boston team, they were ready to basically rebuild before he got there. They were, yeah. Like, like everybody, Bergeron, Chara, Ras, they all looked like, well, these guys are past their best before date and and uh yeah, they weren't making the playoffs. Like, now they're me? one of the like easily one of the top three teams in the league, you know. 
Oh, yeah. And, I mean, getting rid of Peter Shirelli, too. It's funny when they got rid of Peter Shirelli, the person, well, everybody basically had the same opinion on them, which was, well, Peter Shirelli got out from under that shit show regime in Boston. Look at how bad they just screwed up their three first-round picks in one of the best drafts ever. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and that, that organization's going into the toilet. Uh, here we are, fast forward uh, five years later, and imagine if they would have hit some of the picks that they had oh. <laughs> in addition to what. Like, I wish they would have kept Shirelli because it probably would have seen Lee fans <laughs> a lot of angst. You and I both, bud. <laughs> <laughs> like he's basically gifted Sagan and then pisses him away for Louis Erickson. And he's gifted Taylor gifted Hall. Taylor Hall man. pisses him away. Even even looking back at Kessel, I did this one day, and it's like Kessel was the first one of those guys. Yeah, yeah Kessel. He too. just had, he just he just had some fucked opinion that these that these young talented or offensively gifted players yeah. were never going to go beyond what they yeah, were. Kessel too. He's another one. Yeah, you're right. Like he was, Kessel was really even. The trade works out, and that's why it's never remembered. But that's that was the first of those three. And like, man, if anybody ever gives Peter Shirelli another job, who I, gets who oh. gets hired first, Peter Shirelli or Mike Babcock? Babcock, you think so? I think so. Yeah, the, the Islanders. Another another note from this first round. The Islanders have three picks inside the top ten. I don't remember that ever happening. Before or since? Oh, I don't either. Um, yeah, it's that's crazy in itself. Four in the first round overall. Uh, it's really though. It's it's just a result of them having to blow it up, and it isn't Milbury's fault. If I'm not mistaken, they were a big time financial trouble following the whole John Spano mm. debacle. Uh, Charles Wong hadn't stepped in as owner until the next spring, I believe. And, and so Milbury had to gut the team. So, so he got the eighth pick by dealing Ziggy Palfi to LA. Mm-hmm. He got the, uh, got the 10th pick by dealing Trevor Linden to the Habs, both prior to the draft. Uh, and then, of course, the Islanders were awful in 99. So they also had the, the fifth pick yeah. going in. Um, yeah. And then he had the last uh, pick we the just talked to. Yes, they did. Uh, that was trade deadline oh, or 99. Oh, 99. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's when it was. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Looks like they traded up. Oh, no, they traded. Oh, they traded yeah. up. They traded yeah. up. I don't know why I was thinking that it was trade deadline deals. So, anyway. So, yeah. So, they end up they end up with four first-rounders. Um, Linden, I don't – I'm sorry. Linden wasn't very good on the aisle, was no. he? He wasn't, he wasn't good, Vancouver. basically. Yeah. He, he leaves Vancouver and – he goes from being one of the best power forwards in the league to being a very good third line type player. I mean, I don't think he was in that position until he went back to Vancouver. I think a lot of teams kept thinking they could get his career back. How on, weird did Trevor Linden he, in Montreal? Eh? In Montreal, in Washington. Oh, I don't even remember the Washington. <laughs> but I just remember in Montreal, he looked like completely like a fish out of water. Like It just looks yeah. so weird. Yeah. He, what did he wear? 14. He wore 14 in Montreal. He wore 32 when he first got to the <laughs> island. Because he was like, going to be twice the player. Well, obviously. Like, can you think of other guys like that where you just can't, like, they played for four or five 
teams, but all you think about is them with that one team, you know? Ryan yes, Smith. Yes, absolutely, Ryan Smith. Wendell Clark. Like, yep. Um, yep. There's certain guys, one. right, who – well, we – Colin and I were talking about this in 97 because – of Brendan Morrow, because I mentioned how much Brendan Morrow always reminded me of Wendell Clark, and if he would have played in the Canadian market. We also said it about Shane mm-hmm. Doan when we were doing that draft, and how he's Arizona's guy, but had he had that team stayed in Winnipeg and he'd been a Jet his entire life, I mean, he'd mm-hmm. be an icon. And it's just certain guys, they're not the best players, but it's just like they're made for those teams. You yeah, know what I another mean? Another one uh, for me even though he did have some success outside of Calgary is, is Theo Fleury. Yep. Like to me, yep. he's a flame, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Let's go down the list. Um, first overall pick. It's originally Tampa as it goes to Vancouver. They flip it to Atlanta and Atlanta takes. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the Atlanta Thrashers first ever and first overall pick in the 1999 NHL entry draft from the International Hockey League, Long Beach Ice Dogs, Patrick Steffen. The Atlanta Thrashers have selected... So indeed, Patrick Steffen becomes the number one pick in this draft. He is an older 18-year-old in that he just missed last year's draft by a few days with a September birthday. He's played a year and a half in the International League with the exception of the 38 games he missed this season because of concussions. He carries himself extremely well. He's a man, and he's been playing in a man's game for a couple of years, and that makes him NHL ready. And anytime you can find a six foot one and a half, 205-pound center iceman, that already has two years of pro experience in the International Hockey League and then owns the league when he's playing, you have to be very excited about him. And I know the Atlanta Flame, or pardon me, Atlanta is very, very thrilled. Atlanta Flames, a flashback to the past. Sorry, You're dated yourself once again. Not the biggest bust in NHL history. And in fairness to Patrick Steffen, he had concussion problems coming in. But... He's a pretty big bust in league history. He is. In that same Ber- Berkey interview, he actually, which is, you know, months ago, February, I believe that interview was. He said mm-hmm. without the concussion problems, he still feels Patrick Stefan would have had a great career. Yeah, well, that's, I, um, I think that's fair. Yeah, like, uh, I have a quote attributed to his, his head coach in Long Beach, John Van Boxmeer. Prior to the draft, he mm-hmm. said, Patrick is going to be a dominant playmaking center. He's a guy who looks to make the play rather than shoot himself. He'll be a guy who can get you 100 assists and 25 goals a year in the NHL. He is a cross between Oops. Mike Medano and Sergei Fedorov. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> those, for, for those kids listening out there, those two were pretty <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> so you can skate like Medano and play D like Fedorov and score goals like both of them jason if if we if we replay patrick stefan's career 20 times is this is this the one is this the one time it's not the one but it is uh i do think i do think more times than not he ends up having a pretty good career i think he's really hurt more so by concussions that he went yeah and i agree 100 percent like 
that franchise was such a joke. Like anyone who went there at the time was just destined to, I mean, it, it started getting a little better after like they drafted such insane talent. Like he could have been like a, a three headed monster with Heatley and Kovalchuk and yep. Heatley did well there, but I know you're the president of the Danny Heatley fan club, <laughs> but Kovalchuk was just like one of the best snipers we've seen. And he just, his talent yes. was just undeniable. It didn't matter where he ended up. He was going to score. Um, but there's certain yeah. players, they need to be put in a, in a good situation to succeed. And maybe if Stefan had been drafted by Brian Burke or um, a different situation altogether, maybe things would have been differently, but mm-hmm. there were things would have ended up differently, but it just didn't, it didn't work out that way. But yeah, I, I do agree. Like I think in those 20 season, in those 20 careers, 10 or 11 of them, he ends up having a really good career. And one of those 10 or 11, he's a, he's a star. Yeah. I, I, I think if he ends up going to Vancouver, like you kind of talked about, uh, I think that would have been great for him. I think the Rangers would have been great for him. You know, the Rangers had a bust themselves that we're, we'll get to here in a second, but uh, that bust was more well known for being just, and I mean, Stefan didn't have a great rap. I mean, Peter told the story when he was on the pod about about how Ferraro didn't have the best things to say about Patrick oh, that, Stefan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, he. I remember Ferraro on Twitter a few years ago, or maybe a year ago or so, someone asked him if he hated Patrick Stefan, and he kind of brushed it off. Like, ah, no, he's a good guy and stuff like that, but... Peter definitely alluded to hmm. that not being the case yeah. for Ferraro. And, uh, and I mean, in fairness to Ray, when he's on a public setting like that, of course you no, don't want exactly. to sewer a guy. So, no. so that good on him for not taking the opportunity to do that. But um, still, I never heard bad things about Stefan and his work ethic. I heard a ton of things about the guy the Rangers got. So anyway, you talk about mental health, like, and I, I don't know anything that's attributed to him as far as mental health goes and stuff, but like for you to have such expectations mm-hmm. on you and for your career to end with, with you being a basically oh. like a punchline, that can't be easy on someone's mental health. Yeah. It's, it's no surprise or it should be no shock. Two of the biggest busts in league history, at least at first overall, come our guys who go to expansion teams who are a shit show. Like, mm-hmm. how do you succeed? You know, like when Kovalchuk gets to Atlanta, even though Kovalchuk uh, had big or bigger expectations on his shoulders, he didn't walk in to a situation that no. was bare like Stefan did. And and once you start off like that, and then immediately it gives people a chance to question, like, oh, yeah. does this guy really got it? Then all of a sudden, like you talk about those mental that mental health aspect really comes into play. And how well, do you you're almost ever get expected your to be like to you're trying to get your feet wet in the NHL and you're almost expected to like be a leader, like lead men as well. Like it's just such an unrealistic yeah. position to put like at least when Kovalchuk got there, Heatley was already tearing it up and um to like not to the point like he Heatley was he had some success up to that point and well, they got there together, oh, actually, right. if you remember yeah. right. They uh, he Heatley, Heatley no, spent another right. year in school and then and then came. I knew why you thought that, but yeah, they they that, that so that happen. probably yeah. 
eases the yeah. load even more. But but yeah, Patrick Stefan just couldn't, you know, and it's clear with his career statistics, he just could never get his confidence. Confidence as well. Um, so like Stefan's been there for two years. He was he was supposed to be the savior. Yeah. Here we are. Two seasons have gone by. Yeah. Now these two wonder kids come in and they're leading the team in scoring, and you're you're not. You know, so what's that do to your yep. now all of a sudden you're the forgotten uh you're the forgotten uh kid, you know? Yep, it just it just compiles all, over time. And then Bob, or, uh Bob he Bob Hartley. I don't know why I want it. well, I guess I do know why I want to say Bob Heatley. Bob Hartley shows up and then he's probably wondering, like, why the fuck can't this Stefan kid get going? All he needs is a kick in yeah. the ass all the time. And that's surely going to get yeah. him going because that's what yeah. Bob Hartley was known for as a head coach. And well, that's and, the uh, kind of reminds yeah, me of Edmonton just... when McDavid came in, like because the re like the rebuild with Hall and Everly and these guys and and Nuge and then right. McDavid comes there and I remember one shot on the bench where McDavid was sitting there and like Everly was near him or whatever, and it's like you wondered mm-hmm. what's going like we were the young studs now all of a sudden this kid's here and we're kind of forgotten you know. And that's kind of what happened with Stefan. Mm-hmm. So the Sedins go 2-3. We know that. We'll get to them. Uh, the other bust, the other massive bust, is Pavel Brendel at four. The The Hawks originally have the pick. Uh, as I talked about, they traded to the Canucks. Then Tampa gets the pick when the Canucks flip with Tampa. And then the Rangers step up and send both Dan Cloutier and Nicholas Sundstrom uh, and a 2000 first round pick all for the fourth overall pick and Pavel Brendel. Well, Atlanta's had the first pick, Patrick Steffen, Vancouver two and three, the Sedin twins. Now it's the fourth pick and Tampa has traded it for Dan Cloutier and Nick Sundstrom to the New York Rangers. The Rangers have always been a now team, not often wanting to wait and let prospects develop. And now they've moved up and may get a player who can step in very quickly. Well, when we look at their needs, obviously scoring was a problem for the last couple of seasons for the New York Rangers. You have to think that perhaps they may take Pavel Brindle in this hole. What a natural scorer he is. If they do, the big question is, who's going to play with him at center ice? It won't be Gretzky, and it won't be Nick Sundstrom. We know that. There's the big bear from the Calgary Hitmen. The New York Rangers, on behalf of all their great fans back at Madison Square Garden watching this event, are very pleased and proud today to select with the fourth selection in the 1999 entry draft from the Calgary Hitman, Pavel Brendel. Congratulations to Pavel Brendel. He's received the congratulations from his father, Milan, his mother, Stanislava, here for the draft. He made a conscious decision to come to North America, first to the International League, and then found that he'd probably get more ice time and be able to prosper as a first-liner in the Western League. And through the regular season and playoffs, he prospered indeed. 95 goals, the best pure goal scorer available in this draft, and he's a New York Ranger. And most fans across Canada witnessed his play at the Memorial Cup, a goal-scoring machine. A one knock against him is perhaps he's a one-dimensional player, but... All scouts will tell you he does it very well. He knows where the net is, 
and he loves to score goals. If he's only got one dimension, that's the best one it's to have. It's a good one. In a league that's starving for goals on a team that loves flamboyant players in a city where a player like Pavel Brendel could become an instant hit, this another young man from the Czech Republic has been drafted by the New York Rangers, Pavel Brendel. Now, you know, he's... Uh, a talkative young man and he's sort of an interesting character said to absolutely love hot dogs the occasional donut and sleeping 12 hours a day which to my way of thinking makes him a completely normal teenager i'm just gonna make my own little insert right here stop the clip and just kind of uh, have my own input because we didn't have these clips uh prior to doing the draft show me and trombley so i've just found them as i've been editing this uh podcast up and I had to do an insert here because likes eating hot dogs, donuts, and sleeping 12 hours a day. Um, nobody saw this as maybe a unbelievably massive red flag in 1999. I know dude obliterated the WHL, but that's not a good sign. Nice big smile. Many compare this young man to Michael Bossy. That's not bad. And we know how well he scored in the National Hockey League over his glorious career. Well, what an interesting turn of events here in Boston. The wheeling and dealing has been fast and furious and all in the very late stages before this draft began. But the top four players, we knew who they were. We just weren't sure the order who, who was going to pick them. Here's the newest New York Ranger, Pavel Brendel with Craig Simpson. Well, some happy faces here. Pavel, you saw a lot of action happening in the first three picks. How do you feel to finally get up there? And what a great job to New York. It really, uh, it's unbelievable for me. I, I had no idea two days ago what's going to happen today here. And uh, I had a late meeting last night with New York. And they seem really nice guys. So I'm really very happy. Well, that's great. And Neil, obviously, this team needing some goal scoring, having a 95 goal scorer last year must help for the New York Rangers. Well, we've been, uh, you know, always craving to have a young man like this in the organization. And uh, the temptation was so great to try to make a move to get a, a person like Pavel. And we gave up two significant players in Kluche and, and Sundstrom, but we feel it's really worth it. And Pavel will be the leading scorer uh, for 10 or 15 years with the Rangers. And Pavel, do you feel that uh, with the experience you had last year, you're ready to step into the National Hockey League next year? Yeah, of course, I'm sure I, I have to work really hard this summer, and uh, but I'm sure I can make it. Well, congratulations, Pavel. Neil, great job with New York Rangers. And again, the excitement continues. Back up to you, Jim. You have to love the determination of Neil Smith. Undaunted, he couldn't get the Pavel he wanted from Vancouver last <laughs> season, but he got a Pavel and a Pavel that can score, and he's got Brindle as the fourth pick in a deal with Tampa Bay. I don't think people can realize that is a hefty price. Huge. And you just wonder about like people that were running these teams back then. I mean, shit, even people that are running teams now, like we've talked about it. I just, so they, they pay this heavy, heavy price for, uh, for Brendel. Um, And he never really even, I guess I guess it's forgivable that he didn't get a shot there because of who they ended up getting for him. But like mm-hmm. he, I don't know. He just he just kinda and then he went he goes to the Rangers or he goes to Philly and he never played more than ten minutes a night, you know? So like that's that's where I was going with the management thing. Yeah. So they trade 
Like he was a big part of that Lindros deal. He was the main piece, wasn't he? Yep. Who else was in that? Kim Johnson. Yeah, tough to tough to say because yeah. Kim Johnson and a first round pick, and it's kind of Elwin maybe Jan Halak. Yeah. Like he's nineteen or twenty at that time, so he was in on it. Like was literally just a top four pick. Like, but yeah. Yeah, it, no, he he definitely would have been one of yeah, the and he main plays two seasons in Philly, sure. and he plays eight minutes um, in one season and uh, forty or ten minutes in the next season. So like he's he never got a chance to play more than ten minutes a night in Philly. Right. Like how do you how do you expect success? Yeah. Could you not? Well, how do you expect success? And then the other thing I was going to point to is like, are you anything surprised with no, that? No, and that, that's Red like Flyers team? I don't think he cared who he got. Lindros at that point, it was just like you are not fucking going to Toronto. I no. don't really give a shit what we get. Yeah, Pavel Brendel though. Um, I mean, I didn't even know he played forty-two games for the Flyers that year. He, his reputation, or in 03, I should say, uh, his reputation, even when he was young, was just this guy lazy, is lazy, hated working out, terrible fuck. eating habits, and, all that. Yeah, yeah, like he. <laughs> That draft year in Calgary, 68 games, 73 goals, 61 Led assists, the league in scoring and one rookie points. of the year. He was, had superstar written all over him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he was, he was most people's pick going into the draft yeah. as being the top guy. I remember most people had Brendel as the top guy going in, but it's like, geez, with that many red flags, and he did. He had a ton yeah. of red flags entering the draft. It's it's pretty incredible. And by the way, and something we should point out too, that Hitman team was awesome. They made the Memorial Cup final in '99, lost to the Ottawa 67s in overtime. Uh, but that was that was a star-studded Hitman yeah. team. Obviously, Chris Beach was on that team. Brad Stewart's on that team. Jared Smithson's on that team. Jeez, uh, just yeah. just a ton of talent. Uh, for the Calgary you know, hit you know what's funny is this is around the time, time I started um, so, you know I'm in like mid 20s 23 24 years old and I'm starting to make oil patch money at the time and you know how it is when you have when you're a kid and you're yeah. and so this was like I always collected hockey cards and then now I'm an adult and I'm starting to make a little money and I'm like okay I'm gonna um, I'm gonna load up this was the draft class where I really started getting big into it and i like loaded up on pavel oh, brendel really? the top of this draft class like i spent so much money on pavel brendel tim Connolly, patrick stefan avoided the sedines because i thought they were a bust so <laughs> that worked out really well i had a lot of jamie <laughs> lundmark stock <laughs> yeah Oh, I'm sorry, but that is a great story. <laughs> I still got all those cards, basically because they're worthless, so nobody wants them. But yeah, but that's why they're so awesome, too, right? Like they'll be they'll be no, worth no, they something won't. if you wait long enough. <laughs> well, to me, anyway, it's like Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick, one of his most valued possessions is his. Uh, Autographed Ryan Leaf Colts jersey that he's got for him. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> it's the jersey. It's literally the jersey that they had That's ready to funny. go for Ryan Leaf on draft day in case they picked him. <laughs> How did he get his hands on that? That's that's why that's not so great. I think Leaf gave it to him. I think Leaf they gave it to Leaf after why the draft, and then Leaf? he gave it to Dan. Be... <laughs> like, I guess it's a throwaway. I guess I guess yeah. nobody in a third it, world country wanted it. We were gonna pick so, you, but we we so picked they, uh... the other guy instead. Anything else on Brendel before we move on? Years after that, he actually led the KHL. The KHL's inaugural season, he led the the league in scoring. So his talent was, was never an issue. No, he was just like, like you mentioned uh, in 99, 73 goals, 134 points as a rookie in the dub won the, won the gold medal in uh, for the junior gold medal in 2001, one best forward. Like his talent was definitely not the issue. No, it, uh, it was off the charts. It's incredible. And, a piss off when you think about the fact that the guy had pissed it away. But, you know, like when, you know, we kind of saw it a little bit with Yashin, even though Yashin had a real good NHL career. Mm-hmm. When, when it just, when it comes so easy to guys, it's so tough to be motivated to yeah. put in the work, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it uh, you kind of, well, not the same story, but the fifth pick is Tim Connolly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll probably get to Tim Connolly, but obviously he spent some time with the Leafs. My my thing always was that the guy was really good, really like really talented, and had a solid career. Yeah, but fuck, I just remember him as a guy who hated playing in traffic. Yeah, and he, he like <clears throat> sk- like he was the poster boy for skating with his head down. Huh. Yeah, yeah, like. There, there was. I remember big time comparisons. Like his big comparison was Iserman when he first came up, right? And um, uh, man, I just loved Tim Connolly back in the day. Like I thought he was going to be a superstar. Yeah. And um, he just it never worked out. Like he was healthy. He was healthy in the aisle though. It wasn't until he got to Buffalo. Like, yes. He, him and Pyatt were tri- like another first rounder from this draft were flipped mm-hmm. for Pekka. Yep. And once he got to Buffalo. Like he had some good runs there. Like you know, the 06 playoffs, he was unreal that first round. Yep, eleven points. Um, and then he ended up getting a concussion again, getting knocked out of those playoffs, and ended up only playing eight games in those playoffs. Mm-hmm. And missed. He actually missed two full seasons due to concussions. Like he just could not stay healthy, and it's a shame. Like I was. I was very excited when the Leafs signed him, even though I knew <clears throat> he was limited at that point of his career. But he was he was kind of a consolation prize, I remember, for missing out on Brad Richards. Like when Brad Richards had that That's right. Yeah. Fucking joke of a session he had. Remember when he set up camp yep. the yep. like he was Wayne Gretzky or something? <laughs> and the Leafs <laughs> he signed with the Rangers and then hours later the Leafs signed Connolly to a two-year, like nine and a half million dollar deal. I'm pretty sure it was, and he uh, he only ended up playing the one year though. And then the second year, he went to the mine. He started the year in the minors, and then his career was over. Yeah, but Connolly, I thought was uh, like man. You talk about if you could replay the career twenty times, like in my in my mind, this might have been the only time it fails based on concussions and like I just yeah. I just thought he was a massive 
massive talent and just, but you know what, maybe it fails every time because he couldn't skate with his head up. Well, and enters the league at the wrong time, right? Like if he's drafted in 07, 06, yeah. 07, somewhere in there. And he, or now. Come, yeah, exactly. He, yeah. he comes into the league and it's tailor made for a guy like him who is super fast and a terrific playmaker. And yeah. and even though he's a perimeter guy, it's not as much of a sin as it was back at this time. Yeah. And and so the confidence is probably much higher. And uh yeah, who knows what would have happened. But I, I'm with you. I, w- I was always a big fan of him. You know, I like the I like the centers who kind of have that kind of potential anyway to be stars. You know, I don't know yeah. who doesn't like those kind of centers, but uh yeah, he, he he showed flashes, but just never became that guy. Well, him um, coming into the league when <clears throat> you got guys like Scott Stevens patrolling the middle of the ice yeah. isn't, isn't the greatest combo. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't. <laughs> I uh, I I don't think it was it was too comfortable for Mister Connolly going against guys like that. <laughs> yeah. exactly. um, Brian Finley, goaltender out of Barry, goes uh, sixth. Um, I think four games in, in total in his career yeah. in the league. Um, Finley, I should have had that up, but I don't. Uh, Chris Beach goes seventh, drafted out of the Calgary Hitman. As I said, Hitman had a great team. In those days, uh, Beach kind of, again, like Finley, doesn't – I mean, he gets into more games than Finley, plays 198. Uh, but I, I remember with Beach, the skating was always – suspect at best he yeah. uh wasn't the fleetest of foot and then taylor pyatt goes eight taylor pyatt's one of the best success stories of this first round but even yeah. in saying that 859 games taylor pyatt really um how would you describe his career well i have no idea how he played 859 games like, i'm with you when i saw that i just I could not believe it. And you thought Ken Cleo Ward. Yes. <laughs> like how in the hell did he play like just about a thousand games? And like, he had a good little run in Vancouver. I, like mm-hmm. I remember that, like that was probably where he had the most success anyways. E- easily. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was like a contributing member of those good Canucks teams. Yep. Um, but yeah. 20 goal season. Yeah. 20, a, 23 and 07. Yeah, he just had a sneaky long career. I don't have a ton on Taylor Pyatt, but um, I'm right there with hockey reference. Like when I think of Taylor Pyatt, I think of the player he's most similar um, in my mind is Tiger Williams. <laughs> um, <laughs> exact same guy. <laughs> <laughs> like what the actual oh. fuck? The similarity scores, Darren McCarty, Doug Smale, like no two guys are more similar than Eddie Shack, Darren McCarty, Doug Smale, and Rob Niedermeyer, yes. or more four guys. Like, like how do they come up with this? Oh, uh, I don't know. It has to be just purely statistical and yes. nothing to do with physicality. You would think that penalty minutes would be factored in there, but clearly they're not. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. It's it, Taylor Pyatt, for those of you who don't know, was 6'4", 225, an incredible skater for someone that big and would not 
like he was a perimeter guy just like Tim Connolly. Yeah. Like he just hated any you, physicality. Yeah. If you want to say Rob Niedermeyer when it comes to Taylor Pyatt, I'll buy that. Yeah. Like, I will buy that based on the way they played. Yep. But I'm not buying Tiger Williams and Darren McCurdy. <laughs> Doesn't Tiger hold the record for penalty minutes in a season <laughs> or penalty minutes career? He's right up there. And Taylor Pyatt, his career high was 60. Yeah. <laughs> number nine, the number nine pick is the Flames. They do a flip on draft day with the Rangers, where the Rangers, they steal from the Rangers, Mark Savard, and the Flames send Jan Halavich, who later went in the Lindros trade, to the Rangers. Uh, and they flip 11 and nine. And so the Rangers take Jamie Lundmark and Jamie Lundmark and central scoutings list that year. He was, I want to say third or fourth going into, I mean, central scoutings rankings. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. He was third. He was third on the North American skaters list. So he's ahead of Tim Connolly. He's ahead of, he's well ahead of Chris beach. He's ahead of Taylor Pyatt. Like, Lundmark at nine is a pretty big stunner, at least according to that list. And as I remember it, too, yeah, it's a pretty big stunner. Uh, you know, everybody knew who he was around the Edmonton area. Like, this guy, his career not panning out is pretty stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, just <clears throat> similar to a couple guys we talked to or talked about in the 2008 draft. He just was someone you just did not expect to bust. No matter, like just no super safe pick, and it's uh, it didn't work out that way. Like he, uh, it, with the Canadian junior team, they didn't have success while he was there, but he was hmm. he was a big part of that program. And you know, Moose Jaw, I think he spent some time in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, and like in the dub, he was a he was a star, and he it just never translated for. What I, I remember he was kind of like a character guy too, wasn't he? Where they thought he was just the comparison he got was Joe Sackett. Yeah. He he was gonna be Joe Sackick yeah. all over again. Yeah. Um the uh the Islanders were up again. They take Branislav Meze. Speaking of size, uh Meze is picked primarily because he's massive. Mm-hmm. Uh bust. You know, that was again, that was that was the pick that the Islanders acquired in the Trevor Linden deal. Uh, the Rangers flipped the picks with Calgary. So Calgary's up at 11 and you wanted to talk about this guy and I'm with you. Oleg Saprikin is another guy who I just, and I mean, he played and he was pretty good for the flames in, in the, their old four run, but I just don't get how that guy wasn't more than what he was. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I don't know a ton on Saprikin. I just know that. He was a like again a massive talent that just like he he ended up being an okay role player like for Calgary and the Coyotes, but then his career is over at twenty five. And I just yeah, he was a guy you expected a lot, a lot more of, and just had an incredible uh, amount of talent. He got a I, I read one thing I read up on him is he actually uh, got arrested last year for beating up oh. beating up a flight attendant. Oh, well, that's, that's lovely. <laughs> so, so he's, so he's been hanging out with Slava Voinov quite a bit. That's, that's cool. That's, well, yeah. On New Year's uh, Day, New Year's Day, 2019 on a flight 
from Sochi to Moscow, he the, he forced the plane to be diverted. He was oh my he was God. visibly intoxicated, uh, demanding that the flight attendant top up his whiskey. <laughs> but, but she refused. Okay, now that you've put it this way, I totally get where he was going. When, he re- when, when she refused, Saprikin punched the flight attendant in the face. Well, why wouldn't with, you? Like that's that's obviously what you've got to do. Yeah. So he was forcibly <laughs> removed from the aircraft. So things are going well for Mr. Saprikin post career. <laughs> <laughs> both been drunk several times in our lives yeah i i don't ever get drunk and then think you know what it's cool to hit a woman (laughs) like i'm just gonna fucking go punch one like why not like i don't know what a woman could say and you know people can be pretty brutal with their words i don't doubt that but i just don't get it no (laughs) obviously touchy subject especially these days everything is yeah. but i don't know point i'm trying to make the here point, is, yeah, wow is, he's like Saprikin is a piece yeah, of shit. terrible human being uh dennis Shvidke goes 12 to florida and Shvidke is following the trend of the guys picked in this draft only plays 76 games and then my oilers are up well, only, and they sorry keep... to cut you off, only 16 of the first round picks actually played like in that incredible? a season's worth of games, like eighty-two games, like that's in their entire career, mind blowing. Yeah. And like I don't have the draft preview or anything from this. I actually should have got this out though. I have the two thousand one uh, hockey news like season preview edition still, mm. and so a lot of these guys are at the top of every team's prospect like they did the top 10 for each team's prospect rankings and uh most of these guys are topping the list for these teams oh yeah and so the reviews on them are glowing Mm -hmm. and yeah just it's unbelievable it is unbelievable yanni rita around that time entering the 2001 season is considered i think the third best prospect in hockey Mm -hmm. The Oilers draft in 99, the team that has drafted just absolutely deplorable throughout this decade, it's one of their best drafts Mm -hmm. because, and it's not so much because they get a bunch of good players out of it. They get one good player out of it, and it's Mike Comrie. And again, we'll talk about Comrie in a bit. They get three guys, or they get two guys in Semenov, well, no, they get three guys in Semenov, Rita, and to a lesser extent, Tony Salmelainen, who are really good prospects for them for a long time. Now, they never end up trading them to get the value that they need out of them. But, man, around 02, Rita and Semenov are considered two of the best prospects in hockey. Yeah, I actually forgot how highly thought of Rita was until you, yeah. you just said that. <clears throat> Like he he was he was the best player at the World Juniors. I want to say in the two thousand tournament, but it's probably more likely the two thousand one tournament, just because he would have been nineteen. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was he, big. Things were expected of Yanni Rita in Edmonton, and only ends up playing sixty six games. Uh, ends up <laughs> the way he's traded out of town is. January 26, 2006, he gets packaged up with Corey Cross for Dick Tarnstrom. Big Dick Tarnstrom. 
big dick, big dick. He was. It's amazing how much Dick Turnstrom, big dick, yeah. sorry, big dick Turnstrom, made such an impact on that 06 Oilers team because they had Ulanov and Cross as their bottom pair for the first half of the season, and they were just getting turnstiled every time they went on yeah. the ice. And so all they needed to do was bring in guys who could skate to their bottom pair. Yeah. Tarnstrom could skate, and Matt Green was sometimes in, who was a better skater than Ulanov or Cross. And all of a sudden, the Oilers weren't getting turnstiles anymore. Well, but I remember, uh, do you remember how massive Dick was in Pittsburgh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I almost got that out. <laughs> Where were we? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 Rianne Reed is another bust for the Oilers. Uh, like I say, though, he, he, they did have a decent draft for their standards and probably for the 99 draft in general. Uh, Turning well, we won't get back into what Rita turned into, but uh, so so I'll rattle off a bunch here. Uh, 14 the Sharks take Jeff Jilson, bust. Yeah. Uh, what a Jilson play 140 games. Another guy I thought was big, and if I'm not mistaken, was a pretty good skater too, but just <clears throat> never put it together. Yeah, I really like Jeff Jilson. Uh, they ended up well, they ended up getting Kyle McLaren for him. They traded him to Boston oh, that's for right too. Yes, that's right too. <clears throat> yeah, I, I always thought Jilson was going to be something. You know, I always heard great reports on him. Not as much as the guy two picks later, but still pretty, pretty uh, glowing reviews. Um, the Coyotes are up next. It's originally the Mighty Ducks pick, but uh, on draft day, the the Yotes trade. Uh, Oleg Tevardovsky to the Ducks for Travis Green in this mm-hmm. pick. And, uh, or I should say the Ducks trade. Tra- or, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Traded Oleg Tevardovsky to the Mighty Ducks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they get Travis Green in this pick. I was just, I had yeah. to re, re uh, think it because it's like, well, shouldn't they have just got Travis Green for Tevardovsky? They shouldn't have got a first round pick as well because Oleg Tevardovsky is terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. Not the case. They picked Scott Kelman, who uh, I did, I never knew anything about Scott Kelman, but on the North American rankings for Central Scouting, he's ranked six going into the really? draft. Yeah, and uh, does he? He's one guy who never plays. No, he game. never plays a game. But I wonder if scouts just saw a lot of him because he was teammates with Lundmark at that point, wasn't he? Uh no, he later oh, okay. was, but. Uh, he originally, he was teammates with Saprikin, I want to uh, say, in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, if I, yes, it, yeah, him and Saprikin were second and third. Well, maybe on, they were uh, like me. Thunderbirds. Well, I'm pretty, they must have yeah. been, hey? Because looking at their leading scorers that year, uh, Brett DeSecco from Sherwood Park, I think I said that right, is their leading scorer with 100 points. He's a right wing, Saprikin's a left wing, and then Kelman's a center. <laughs> so I would assume that would be the mm-hmm. line, but. You, you never know, uh, and I don't want to speak on my ass. But anyway, they uh, – yeah, Scott Kelman never plays a game in the league. 
The next guy plays games in the league, but again, as is the story of this draft in general, uh, I mean, he's one of the more successful first-round picks, I'll say yeah. that. But David Tanabe's the pick to Carolina. And I always heard nothing but glowing reviews about David Tanabe and just never became much. But another guy who I wonder, had he come along today with the way the games changed? Because he was a fantastic mm-hmm. skater and could move the puck. I wonder if that guy coming into today's game isn't a, a star yeah. defenseman. Yeah, he <clears throat> had all the makings of it. And you're right. All I heard about was how – because uh, he didn't come in right away, did he? No, he uh... – He came in as a 19 Oh, he did too. But I remember it seemed like there was a little period there where they just couldn't wait for this guy to arrive. And right. Yeah, he just never, uh, never materialized. He was actually part of the first group ever – to work at the or to work the train at the cube there in Ann Arbor, which is the home of the the national team development program, and yeah, he was really? he was part of that initial group, and he was the uh, first first rounder to come out of that program, first player ever. Well, I'm just looking now. Jordan Leopold was in that yeah. group, who gets picked later in yeah. this draft. Jordan Leopold has much better stats than Tanabe. I'm not, well, not much better, but he has better stats than Tanabe. Kind of weird that, uh, yeah, that's a year out. So I guess maybe it's not that weird. Adam Hall's on that team who spent quite yeah. a bit of time. Barrett Heiston, who gets picked later in this first round. Yeah. Andrew Hutchinson. Brad Winchester. Yeah, well, he was pretty good guys here. John, John Michael Lyles. That program that's pretty famous now. Like He was legitimately the, the first. Yeah player ever to come in into the, out of the first round in that, from that program. Didn't it, I could be wrong, but di- didn't it have some starts and stops? Like, did they cancel it for a while and then brought it back? Yeah, I'm not and, sure about that. I, yeah, I, I, sh- I should be more prepared than okay. I am when I when I ask stuff like that. But no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I thought they got rid of it for a while and then brought it back, and obviously it is what it is today. But Yeah, like... Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead sorry. No, that's all right. You're um, up. You're up. Do you remember he was like remember the Bruins went through a stretch there uh where like arbitrators would rule against them and they'd just walk away. He was one of those guys. Um yeah, the yeah, Bruins, yeah, the yeah. Bruins walked away. They're here here this year. The Bruins walked away from a one point two seven five million dollar contract awarded in arbitration in two thousand six. Because I remember they also did that with Dimitri Kristich. And that's right. how he ended up in Toronto. Um, yep. Like Sinden just basically if Sinden, if they got more than what he thought they were worth, he'd just say, okay, see you later. Well, and was it Sinden or was it even more so uh, Jacobs doing that? Right. Just being well, I think they were kind of, the two, the two of them were yeah. hand in hand. Right. Um like I say, it's another one of those cases that we've been talking about, right? You replay the career 20 yeah. times, and this this yeah. might literally be the only one that doesn't pan yeah. out. But, uh, yeah, who knows? The, the next guy did pan out. Barrett Jackman has a great career. We'll get to Jer- Barrett Jackman uh, when we do the redraft because there's not many guys like Barrett Jackman mm-hmm. in this draft. Uh, <laughs> did he have a great career or did he Colt have a great Sauce. career as compared to the rest of this draft? Great career as compared, solid career in general, yeah. but but great career compared to the rest of this. We'll talk about him uh, more, I'm sure. This first round, 
Absolutely. Uh, Konstantin Kolsov goes uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins with the 18th pick. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know much about Kolsov. I remember him. He played 144 games, but I don't even remember him. Supposed, you know, I don't remember any talk of him being that great of a prospect. No, I just to be honest. With I you. remember this was the time that the Penguins just kept picking like. Europeans in the first round and you just expected all of them to be stars playing with like Yager. And it was like Mur- <laughs> the stretch yep. there of like, I don't think they were right in a row, but it was like Alexi Morozov, uh, Milan Kraft, Koltsov, uh, yep. Robert Dome. Like they just yep. the stretch. Yep. There. That's yeah. exactly it. Well, that's, that's Morozov is, is 95. Dome is uh 97. Uh, I want to say there was a European kid too in oh. 98. And then, and then Koltsov here. Yeah. Oh, Milan Kraft yeah. is 98, Kate. That's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they, uh, they like their Europeans. And I mean, hey, you know, it's not a bad move no. to bet on skill. You know, even if you can't yeah. win in the playoffs, you're still going to have regular season success yeah. for sure. Uh, and then another Russian kid goes 19 to the Coyotes is Konstantin, or sorry, Krill Saranov. Konstantin yeah. Kolsov just went. Uh, Severanov, is that how you'd say it? Another kid who I, I really didn't know no. much about, didn't didn't ever remember him getting a lot of love as Defense a prospect. Play. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that's one thing I'm bad for oh, is no. mentioning that the position that the guys play. No, I am. I, I really am. Only plays 35 games, two goals, four four points. Um, Barrett Heiston is is 20 to Buffalo. I do remember Heiston getting some hype, but he only mm-hmm. plays 10 games. 21, we get one of the best players to come out of this first round, who's a re-entry, and that's Nick Boyton, goes 21 yeah, to Boston. Yeah. Um, he, uh, we'll probably get to Boyton in a bit. He Which might be on the redraft. We'll get back to Nick uh, that's very bad. <laughs> that we'll get back to Nick Boyton. Another guy who I thought was going to be something pretty good, goes at 22, and it's Maxime Ouellette, the goaltender from the Quebec Ramparts. Uh, <laughs> loved him with the juniors uh, when he was there. Oh, I should point out, too. Uh, well, the Flyers, they didn't really lose well, they this did, pick, and, did they? And then they ended it's, up uh, working out a deal. The, yeah. And Yes. And it was, it was the Chris Gratton. Yeah. Was it the Chris Gratton signing? Yeah, and it's yes. crazy because they had to give up, like, compensation was four first round picks i remember when that happened too even as a kid who didn't value the draft at that time i remember thinking like why are they taking this package of nothing like why is this happening look at how what that did for philly yeah so now they have Gratton, and they're able to add like justin williams was one of those picks simone gagne like it basically built their core where they would have lost they would have lost all that yep yeah, Tim I mean, Gleason Kanye and Williams. Too. Yep, and yeah, and they don't end up with oh. the Gleason pick. That's that was traded to uh, yep. that was Ottawa's pick. Is it ended up being I think in in one But still, I mean that's that would have been another real good pick. Gagne and Williams yep. though on their own. I mean those those guys stepped in for the Flyers from. Yeah, back-to-back years. Gagne stepped in in 2000, and Williams stepped in right after he was drafted in, well, in 2000. About, yeah, in the Kapanen, season. Like Gagne and Justin Williams are two more guys that are beloved in Philly. You know? Specifically yep. Gagne. Yep, like, absolutely. 
23, Steve McCarthy goes to the Hawks defenseman, Kootenai Ice. His dad played in the NHL. He plays 302 games, but never becomes close no, to what he was, thought he'd be. <clears throat> highly, like he was, we talked about him a couple uh, episodes ago. He was the first overall pick in the dub draft a few years earlier. And yeah, just an offensive defenseman. Same mold as kind of like Jeff Gilson and just another guy that just didn't work out. Lucas Serrata, 24 to your Leafs. And we were saying before we did the recording today that this could be the worst Leaf draft in history. Yeah, it is, in my opinion. And it's it's not particularly close. They had, we kind of talked about Serrata uh, before we got on, he had that congenital heart defect, like right after they drafted him, he was diagnosed with that or, or maybe a year after it was somewhere in that year. Um, that obviously didn't help his career, but I don't know if it had a big effect on it either. He just wasn't that good of a player. And even in the AHL, he was a, he was a borderline AHL player. So he wasn't even really a tweener. Um, and then they drafted Peter Reynolds in the second round, Jonathan Zion in the fourth round, who were a couple offensive defensemen out of the OHL that I actually had high hopes for that neither one of them kind of panned out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Hadine, they, they literally had three games played from their entire draft class. And that they came from Pierre Hadine in the eighth round. And I'm not sure uh, when he played those games. I don't remember watching him or even remember his name. So it was, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I got to admit, I don't either. And yeah. I usually, I usually do remember guys he might have played along at, those lines. <laughs> yeah, he might have played at the the last three games. Yeah, he, so he played the last three games, or he played three games in 2003-2004. So they were actually a pretty good team that year. So I don't know. Yep. I don't know uh, when he played, but maybe he played down the stretch when they were already locked into a spot or something. I have no idea, but I, he was a defenseman anyway. So yeah, three games from your entire entire nine round draft class is not uh, it's not it's not something we need to spend a lot of time on. <laughs> <laughs> That's three more games though than the Oilers got from their nineteen ninety draft class. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. Could always be worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another another guy who doesn't well, he plays three games. Uh, but not really anything from him. Colorado takes Mikhail Kuleshov, a uh, kid out of Russia, with the 25th pick. I don't have anything on Kuleshov, do you? No, played a few years in the AHL with Hershey and uh, didn't put up any numbers of any kind. Yeah, it uh, this draft this draft doesn't become the uh, haven of Russian prospects like the next two do. Well, man, uh, even even like these guys even sucked in the AHL. Like, yeah, there, there was like this was a ter- such a terrible draft. <laughs> was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We really should be shooting on it more than we are. <laughs> well, it took like, me. It took me two and a half hours to realize it, but I don't think this draft is very good. <laughs> you tricked me, Campbell. You told me this was good. <laughs> you said we're only going to do good drafts. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's just, a good Did you just bring me on to get rid of the shit drafts? <laughs> okay. So Colin can't do these anymore. So I want you to come on and do 96. 99, 2012. 
<laughs> we'll just let Trombley ramble on about nobodies. <laughs> it's a rookie hazing thing. <laughs> yeah. One uh, one one kid who does pan out, who does have a pretty good career, although it is marred by injuries, but. Sens take Marty Havlat in 26. And since we're going to be doing the redraft pretty soon, we'll get to Marty Havlat pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, 27, Jersey takes Aria Honan, uh, Finnish goaltender. A kid who I always heard good things about. Yeah. And like, I, did you think that guy was going to be a star? Like, I thought he was. That was the book. Yeah. Like, I just assumed anyone Jersey drafted was going to be a star, you know? And, yep. like, this was the heir apparent to Marty Brodeur. And it just never happened. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it, and it's funny too. So Colin and I, as I just as I said a couple times, we did ninety seven here just the other day. And as we're recording this, it's not released yet. But in that draft, they take JF Damfoos, right? Who's another goaltender. So Lou Lamorello is hell bent on finding the heir apparent. I almost wonder if he had plans of. Broder's going to become too expensive for me, so I better have his predecessor ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, this one surprised. Like, I thought double A was going to be a star. Double A. That's, I love how you've got a nickname. (laughs) Um, The Islanders got the last pick, as we talked about earlier. They did a draft day trade with the Stars to move up. Uh, from I believe it's the 32nd pick in this draft yeah, it was. to the 28th pick, and they take defenseman Christian Kudrock. Um, another kid who looked like he had some problems, only plays in 26 games, four points in his career. Like, did did he did that? Was Millbury, I'm assuming. Yeah, so like, did he like really like this Kudrock kid, or did he just think it would be cool to have four first round picks? I would almost guarantee you it was the it was the latter. Yeah, like let's the other up. thing about Kudrock, I went on I went on about Meze's size, and Kudrock was be- bigger than Meze. Yeah, he was a giant. So at this time, at this particular six, seven, time, six seven two fifty five, to go with Branislav Meze, and Meze is I should have had it right in front of me to begin with. But Meze's size is 6'5", 251. And then he also has this other defenseman in his system named Zdeno Chara, who's kind of well-known for his size. Yeah. So I guess Milbury just wants to put together the most frequent, freakishly gigantic defense in league history. Well, kudos to Milbury. He picked up Mazai and Kudrok, and he thought... You know what? That'll make this Chara kid just like replaceable. <laughs> we might as well. We might as well get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> we need some more hype. I, I I shouldn't make myself cry, but on draft day two thousand one, I'm pretty sure the story is that Milbury had that package of the second overall pick, Chara and McCult, ready to go to two teams. It was either Ottawa or Edmonton for Wade or, or uh, Yashin. That's insane. And Kevin Lowe shot it down. I've heard that. Yeah. I've that's heard that and that's literally insane. Yep. That's Kevin Lowe for you. Yeah. All right. We're to it. We're to the redraft. Seven picks a piece. We'll do 14 each. Thank crikey. We have not. 
uh, gone, tried to do the full draft on any of these. Cause for this one in particular, it's going to be tough getting past the 10th pick, yeah. let alone the, the 14th. Um, you've got, I did the first one last time. So you're up with the first one. Who are you taking? Okay. With the, my first uh, overall pick is coming out of Sweden. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> 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 but, but, but he, uh, I'm not sure he has a brother that plays hockey. And his name is Henrik Zetterberg. <laughs> um, at the time, it like there's it's pretty well known. At the time, Detroit was under heavy criticism for trading away their future. They were they were trading first round picks away like they were candy. Well, I was going to say it earlier. I, I realized when we we had to stop right around the time the McCarthy pick uh, happened, and I was I forgot all about mentioning that that McCarthy pick was Detroit. Yeah. And that was part of the Chris Chelios trade. Chris Chelios uh, trade there. So they traded that pick. Um, I believe they traded, was it was it 99 where they got Wendell Clark and they traded a second round yep. for Wendell? Like they yep. were just trading picks left and right. And the, then ironically, they end up with the best, in my opinion, at least we'll say at least the top three player in the draft, but um, in, any, yep. in anyone's opinion. But um yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, two hundred tenth overall, thousand eighty-two games, nine hundred sixty points, three hundred thirty-seven goals. Henrik Zetterberg won a Stanley Cup and a Conn Smythe in 08. Came within a whisker of winning another one the following year. Yep, uh, so and they were the better team. They were. I think, in 09. They were. Yep. Um, su- succeeded uh, Nick Lidstrom as captain in Detroit. Um. I remember actually, I, I, I was interested to see if you remember this, but when Ed Belfort was in Toronto, he was like 37 years old and he had, he had like a kill, like the, his first two years in Toronto, he was actually in the heart talk. Belfort. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, he was, was unbelievable. He, he, when they, when Belfort signed and took over for Joseph, it was almost like a, like a, well, we're stuck with Ed Belfort. Yeah. He's the only one available. And then he stepped in and he was just unreal. Just unreal. But there was rumors after his first year in Toronto when Zetterberg was still getting his feet wet in the NHL, but he was still, you could see he was going to be a star. Right. I remember there was rumors and for of that summer of Belfort being traded to Detroit for Zetterberg. And I was losing my mind. Like, there's no way that this could actually happen. And uh, right. obviously it didn't. But I just, I just remember thinking, like, that cannot be a real rumor. Like you're going to trade a 22 year old Zetterberg for a 37 year old Belfort. Um, but Detroit, well, at the time had yeah. Cujo, but he was near the end, right? Like that was after. Um, I think they ended up bringing Hashik in right after that, didn't they? Yeah. Well, they Hashik came back. That's probably if there was any interest in Belfort, that's probably what killed it. Is Hashik came out of retirement after a right. Year. And right. uh, and then they had a three-headed monster there for all four of of uh, Hashik and Legacy and Cujo. The other thing too with that is I remember there was word rumors, whatever you want to call them, that Iserman before they signed Cujo really pushed hard to Ken Holland for them to bring in Belfort because he played with Belfort on the you know Belfort was also on the O2 Olympic team and had had 
had a lot of dealings with, and as had Chris Chelios, so I'm sure Chelios would have been part of that. But I just I remember hearing from you know out of the word was out of Detroit that when they brought in Cujo, that a lot of the players really wanted Belfort. Huh. And because they they loved how uh, how much of a professional he was, obviously not off the ice, but yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, offering millions yeah. of dollars to ops and whatnot. But Cujo uh, <laughs> uh, was always the but yeah, the it, bridesmaid. I never the bride. It seemed like uh, as much as I love Cujo, but that Olympic experience where his own coach kind of you know that that his him his relationship with Pat Quinn soured then with the Broder yes. thing, and then. He's the man in Detroit, and then Hashik comes back, and he's kind of like forgotten about. And yep. yeah, he just kind of he he had the reputation of not being able to play in a system. Yeah. You know, if there was if it was a more you know you could speak to this with the Pat Quinn Leafs and with uh, the Ron Low Oilers, those were perfect for him because the more work he'd get, the better he'd mm-hmm. play. And then if he had to play behind a good team where he was only getting 20 to 25 shots a night. He just wasn't the same. Very true. It's like he thrived on 40 shots a night. And yep. Uh, just unbelievable. He was so fun to work. Oh yeah. One of, one of the most entertaining goaltenders of all yeah. time, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, that, that would have been, that would have been something if, uh, if the lease would have been able to pull that off with Zetterberg. Uh, the the one thing that I, I had in my notes with Zetterberg is he might have a lot more Selkie vote slash consideration if he's not playing with Datsuk, who won three streams. Mm-hmm. And, and Datsuk was always one of, if not the best defensive forward in the game. But the fact that he's playing with Datsuk all the time kind of leaves him as an afterthought, even though he as well is one of the best 200-foot players in the league. 100%. Like, he was nominated only one time, but he was always in the discussion. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I just, I just, to me, he's the best player to come out of this draft. Again, he, he kind of ran into injuries, obviously, throughout his career, and I'm not crazy. Not I don't think it was crazy. Like yeah, it, it was just a couple of years where he ran into the injury bug. But um, yeah, just just a a great all around player. And uh, if I could take one player from this draft, it would be it'd be Hank Zetterberg. And a, a funny no. thing I saw is is this true or am I wrong? Did he never actually play in an actual All Star game? Shit, I really don't know. I honestly. That's... Everything I looked at, he he made the All NHL team um, one year, mm-hmm. but I don't think he actually ever played in an All Star game. How in the fuck is that possible? <laughs> like he made the second All All team, like All Star, the NHL All Second Team in '08, but he right. never actually played in the game. He was selected, but he never went. Yeah. Jeez. That's wow. The the, the NHL All-Star game, man, if there's one league that I don't go off how many times guys were All-Stars, it is definitely the NHL. It might be. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's probably, it's not as bad as the Pro Bowl, but it's right up there. There's a reason why they're on the same Sunday usually every year. Is because they're dog yeah. shit. Uh, <laughs> Who would you have picked first? Well, I I I have the second pick. Yeah. 
And I was prepared going into this to do a trade with you if you had wanted the top two picks. But once you started talking about your dislike of the uh, of the uh, Sedins, then I thought, eh, I don't think he's going to go with the Sedins. <laughs> well, the problem is I can't even trade you the third pick because the rest of the draft is so garbage that there's not enough value. <laughs> well... The question, I guess, becomes which Sadine do you go with at this point? And for me, I always go center over winger. And I guess what also helps in this scenario is I can go heart winner over not heart winner. And so that leaves me with Henrik Sadine going second overall. Uh, but, you know, and I'll give you the stats. 1,330 games, 240 goals, 836, obviously 1,070 points. Uh, wins the heart in 2010, as I talked about. Also wins the Art Ross that season as a as a 112 point season. Uh, he was just amazing from probably 09 for sure to 2012. He was at his peak without a doubt. Uh, I was a big fan, even though I'm an Oilers fan. But I want to hear what Jason Trombley has to say about the city. <clears throat> well, I'm just honestly, yes, they had they had they had good careers. I, I don't consider them great players, and I never and I don't. It would be disingenuous for me to come on a podcast a few years after they retire and have revisionist history and talk about how amazing I thought the Sedins were. Because it's just not how I looked at them. I thought they were okay players. I think they had a, a stretch there of three to five years where they were unreal. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of teams would have given up on them after their... Like, they they were 30-point players up until they were, like, 20... Like, their first three years in the league, they were just sitting around the 30-point mark. And, mm-hmm. yes, they improved. And you're right. A lot of that came after the Bertuzzi, Naslin, Morrison line left town and they had a chance to shine and they took the team to a lot of success, granted. Um, But they had a five-year stretch where they were really good and that was about it. And um, it's like I said, like I joked about the Tiger Williams thing, but Tiger Williams had more goals. And yes, Henrik Sedin was not a goal scorer by any stretch and that wasn't his forte, but Tiger Williams had more goals, and you don't think about Tiger Williams as a goal scorer, than Henrik Sedin in 400 less games almost. And mm-hmm. over the course of their career, so that, yeah, they had 1,000 points in 1,300 and some games. They averaged 64 points in 82 games. To me, that's not a great player. That's a good player. And they, 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 they were a big part of Vancouver and what they brought to the community um, was undeniable, obviously. And Vancouver fans, like, this is sacrilegious to even talk like this, but if you get 1,000 points in 1,300 games, I'm just I'm just not that impressed. Uh, and one, Daniel Sedin's known as the goal scorer of the two. He had one 40-goal season, only four seasons out of 17 with even more than 30 goals. To me, that's not, that's not Hall of Fame. That's not elite. Like, so mm-hmm. twice in his, he's known as a, as a, as a goal scorer twice his entire career. He had over 35 goals and he didn't miss many games. And we play that game of 20, 
seasons, you replay this career, what happens? Yeah. I would yeah. make the argument in the reverse with these guys. It can be, it, there is an argument there that if these two didn't play together, well, that's yes. Yeah. yeah. And that, that sounds r- ludicrous and ridiculous, but to me, if you have, <laughs> if you have the advantage of playing with your, your twin brother that obviously you have a connection like no two other players can have and you still can only and get at a 64 point pace to, to me that's uh i'm just i just was never that impressed with the with the sedines and what they did they had they each had a couple great years like you you mentioned henrik won a heart they each won an art ross in back-to-back seasons um yep and daniel actually just missed out on the heart to Corey perry yeah um, yeah Pearson yeah. winner. I didn't. Re- I didn't remember that he won the Pearson. I did remember he just lost out yeah. to Perry. But uh, yeah, sorry. They had a. They had a. They had a really good career. I just in my Hall of Fame, they're not Hall of Famers. Like just because you scored a thousand points and you played your entire franchise or your entire season or career with one franchise does not make you a Hall of Famer. They now, having said that, I've also said in the past, if you're one of the best players in your sport for. Uh, for a, a period of time, you deserve consideration, but like it was not an extended period of time. And that's, no, that's kind of my fair. rant that on the fair. on the Canucks. They do have one of the best line nicknames ever in 0304 when they played with Jason King. Do you remember what that line was called? The mattress line, two twins and a king. <laughs> uh, Cause I do remember Jason King. And he barely lasted the season before because like, remember he got so hot at the start of 04. And uh oh, yeah. that was awesome. There was actually like we talked about it being a different time and we and we touched on Mark Crawford earlier, but there was actually a during Daniel's rookie year, there's a pretty famous story of Mark Crawford gripping into Daniel in November of his rookie year, so right at the start of his career, where Daniel suffered a shoulder injury. And Crawford ripped into him saying, like, playing through pain is part of being an NHL player. And, like, which is pretty unbelievable now. Like, if how they handle rookies with gloves nowadays, you know, that would never happen. Oh, yeah. And it, it was just a different time. But I just don't – I don't want this – me hating the Sedins, and I'm sure it will, but that's not – It's context. Context is king, right? And it's – you're talking about – whether or not they should be a Hall of Fame type players, and and maybe that I, they're hundred percent think they're they're and, overrated, and if they they need to be, I'm sure they are super appreciative to Brian Burke, but if they did not, actually, it's Brian Burke gives all the credit to Thomas Gradeen for even he didn't really want them, to, yeah, not that he didn't want them, but Gradeen pushed it, and if they yeah. don't, if they don't play, I can see a parallel universe where they don't play together, and neither one of them is ever the player that they end up uh, being. Right. It's no, it's, it's fair. Um, What about what summer was it? Was it summer of 2010 when Brian Burke tried to get them to sign with the Leafs? Was that summer of 09? I think that was, uh, yeah, it was it was after they had their they just kind of hit their stride, and uh, right, yeah. This like again, this isn't revisionist history. I wasn't super excited about that. 
Like, well, because he was good. It was sounding like they were going to get astronomical contracts because the Leafs at that time, Brian Burke had so much cap yeah. cap space to play with, yeah. right? So I, I'd assume, even though you like, like you said, you despise <laughs> the Sedins and you wish nothing but the absolute worst for them as humans. Something I'm pretty along sure them. that's what you were saying. Uh, even, even <laughs> despite that. <laughs> You you would still take oh, Daniel at three, to, I'm assuming. Like he's, but uh, yeah. And I hate even saying it. Like only 393 goals, but that's a lot of goals. But it's not like, it's not like sniper. Like there's, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it. No, I know what you mean. It is crazy that he doesn't right. even get to 400 goals. And I just yeah yeah like that. No, it's I. Uh, I don't think it's a crazy opinion that you're having here. I really don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if if I agree flat out with it. But at the same time, I you've definitely mm-hmm. opened my eyes to it, which I didn't. I kind of blindly. Like, why are they first ballot Hall of Famer? Like you, you tell me why you think they are. Well, in my Hall of Fame the, or yeah. the Hockey Hall of Fame, exactly. <laughs> Because, yeah, because those like are I think they're going to get in first ballot. Because uh, <laughs> to me, just oh, knowing the hockey hall of fame, why? That, they yeah. squeak. No, they'll they be, squeaked they'll over be a thousand right points, away. not even being close to a like Tyler. They're not even close to a point of game pace. Like they're not even close. Like you, yeah. you go through your career averaging no, sixty four points and, a season. Like why are you a first ballot hall of famer? You have no cups. <laughs> That always reminds me of the meme that used to go around about them. Uh, yeah. Which we will not yeah. repeat. But you know what I'm saying? So like somebody came and said, yeah, yeah, but Jason, they have, they're winners. Yeah. Like they win. They look at, look at the rings. They, no, they, they don't even, they haven't even won a cup. And, and again, they, they came within a whisker of winning one. And Olympic gold in 2006 sure. too. I guess but not not yeah. that that factors into what you're saying, but I forgot to mention yeah. it when I no, was No, they did win Olympic Henry. gold in, in um, turn, but it, um You know what the stat that really stood out to me cuz I I don't go on hockey reference and go through everybody's stats and dig into what what was what. But the one stat that really jumped off the page at me when I looked at the Sedin stuff, mm. ozone starts and they have some years where, like, 20 – well, in their prime, their ozone start p- percentage in 2011, 71.1 wow. for Henrik. And then in 2012, 79.4. So that's So they're hardly – yeah, that's sh- yeah. sheltering them 100%. And, and they never are yeah. below 50%. Which, you know, okay, that's fair. You know, they're offensive players. But they, this is a stat, by the way, I should point out. that They didn't start keeping it until 2008, mm-hmm. I believe. At least that's when it first shows up on Hockey Reference. But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty damning. That's, if, if, you're, if you're getting that soft yeah. of minutes these days, the analytics yeah. guys are all over you. Yeah. And, again, like, uh, I don't know. This is, comes off so anti-Sedins. But I just – the the – you know, big fish in a small pond type thing. Like if, and they're clearly, if you do a redraft, they're in the top three. Like, so they, they're in the top three where they were picked. So um, it's tough to argue Mm -hmm. anything like that, but I know that 
we're also talking about one of the worst drafts, or if exactly, not and, the worst Canuck fans. Ever. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to know what like a diehard Canuck fan their take on like a non-biased diehard realistic Canucks fan because like I'm that way with the Leafs and I have an honest opinion. Right. Like I don't live and breathe Matt Sundin. There was things about Matt Sundin I didn't like. Right, and I'm wondering. Yep. Yeah, you so I'm said wondering. It on this podcast. I'd love to hear a, a, a Canucks fans' perspective on them and what they wish they could have done that they didn't do. And um, again, I just, I just can't, I just get back to Daniel Sedin's known as the goal scorer of the two. And he had over 35 goals twice his entire 17 year career. Like, okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, that just doesn't impress me. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I think that's very fair. I really do. I, again, I, I look towards their peak but then the one thing you brought up that really does like kind of make me go, huh, is the fact that if they don't mm-hmm. play together, what are they? And yeah, it's it's a very fair. Like, think about how, how much of a huge advantage. I, that I really is. do. I'm up next. I got the next pick. I got the fourth pick. This is uh, this seems pretty clear cut to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ryan Miller. Uh, 387 career wins. Uh, 2.61 career goals against average, 9.15 save percentage career. I thought it was going to be lower than that, but that's a pretty good career save percentage. Uh, the Vezina in 2010, um, he nearly steals gold mm-hmm. for the U.S. in 2010 as well. That that might be his best performance of his career. So he was. He was at that time. Oh my God, he was yeah. freaky good. It. Uh, I mean, remember going into that gold medal game, which yeah. we went to Edmonton and watched together. Uh, it was scary. The the thought that Canada might not win just because this one guy mm-hmm. is basically Hashik in ninety yeah. eight. Like it's it, that was the only question mark for Canada going into that game is could they beat Miller? Um, you know. He was great when he first emerged for that Sabres team in 06. Um, that team might win the cup mm-hmm. if their D would have stayed healthy. Uh, you know, people probably remember the 07 Sabres better because they won the President's Trophy. But in 06, their defense gets badly banged up. They got massacred in that series against Carolina. And I remember I was pulling so hard for the Sabres to win that game seven because I knew if they got past the Canes, the Oilers would be a slam dunk to win it all right. because they were so beat up on yeah. the blue line. <laughs> and then Dwayne Rolson <laughs> got hurt. <sighs> it made you happy, but it makes me want to cry. <laughs> well, being a fan of an opposing team in a part of the world where everybody's yeah. just going ape shit for that team or for the Oilers, I should say, no, not for your team, but uh, yeah, I can imagine it wouldn't have been yeah. fun. To well, see all the bandwagon going, like I, I do think you're probably what? right. Like they, they probably beat Buffalo. Um, Edmonton, like they, they steamrolled their way to the finals, to be honest. Like people don't talk about that, but they, there was no game sevens. Like they've ran, over Anaheim in the semis. And like once they got past Detroit, yeah. they had so much momentum that it's, and that's the beauty of, and this year's playoffs, yeah. man, it's going to be something else because I, <clears throat> there may be an asterisk on whoever wins the cup, but 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think for sure it will be, but it, sorry, keep going. But it's going to make for such a, it's going to be almost like the, yep. the NCAA tournament. It's like whoever gets hot is going to win. Like even yep. baseball to a bigger degree. Like if they do agree on this 48 game season, which is absolutely ludicrous, like to have a 48 game season. Yes. Like you're going to have, you're going to have a couple bad teams mm-hmm. make the playoffs. You just are. It's just not enough sample size. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep. But anyways, that's you're going to see a lot of good good hockey this year. With it's going to it's going to come down to like, um, part of me says this is the year the Leafs will win the cup because then everyone for the next fifty years will say it doesn't even count. But you know what? I'll take that. Well, <laughs> well, did no. you hear? Did you hear Elliot Friedman's joke? Uh, that of course they'll win the cup this year because they won't be able to have a parade. You know what? I'll fucking take it. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> when he said that, I thought I'm pretty sure no Leafs we'll have a parade worry over too Zoom. much about not having a parade if they win the. And cup. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be the time we've the, what we've always dreamed of the Leafs and Oilers playing in the finals, and we don't even get to watch the games. We don't get to yeah, go. exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, that's that's guaranteed. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> um, but Ryan Ryan Miller, we should stay on Ryan Miller because uh, I got us no. completely off track there, and I apologize. But uh, yeah, just I I don't know what to add. Really, is no, there anything like, that you want to add he, to Ryan? Miller? He never really had. Even by the end of his career, like, I mean, when he was 37, he had a 928 save percentage with Anaheim. And, like, 912, 907 Jeez, his last three yeah. years with Anaheim. He, he was just, uh, he was just, a, he was just a, a great goalie. And in Vancouver, he, uh, he didn't have the success probably that, uh, that he wanted, but he still was a good goalie there. And, um, yeah, just mm-hmm. I, I think that's he was a no brainer at four. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think he, like I said, I could, I don't think he'll get in the hall, but I think, you know, we get 10 years out from his career or so. I could, I could see there maybe being a yeah. bit of a push yeah, for him yeah, to yeah, get in. Uh, but... You know, I don't, I don't either, but I just, I keep coming back to how the NHL Hall of Fame or the Hockey Hall of Fame, sorry, is. And, yeah, you know, I could, I could see him being one of those guys who they just justify, get, you know, like a Carbono, like a, like a Kevin Lowe will be. I mean, Kevin Lowe should be in based on who else is in, no. but Kevin Lowe shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Like, you know, neither should Clark Carbonell. Gillies. Hell, I'm like, I'm such, go down the list. I, right? I don't even think, like, I've said it before, I don't even think Cam Neely's a Hall of Famer. That might be stupid to say, but, right, like, I, I don't know. To me, the Hall of Fame is just has to be the elite of the elite. And I, was it you that had the idea of, like, yeah, uh, or maybe it was Simmons, like, just having, like, different classes of hall of fame you know like, yeah so like you have, yeah that like, might have been simmons but i like that next, like if, if the sedines are in the next wing of the hall like the hall of good i'm okay with that but well is that where he come up come yes, up with his yes. uh pyramid that I he always that. talks about yeah there's not okay. much that he does yep. that i don't love though i think yeah, he's on point with that, so much uh, 
Like that guy just gets yeah. it. He a hundred percent. He's he's us. He, he's he just a fan us. that, he really that is. is a great like, speaker. He just... that, um, he's a diehard fan. You know. Yep. Yep. Who can still speak yeah. about things in an objective point of view for the most yeah. part, right? And if he ever isn't, he'll say it. And that's yeah. No. Um. You got the next pick. Um, uh, I'm gonna go I in net as well. Cut, but where are you going? Yeah. So maybe it isn't clear cut. Yeah, Ooh. and uh, this guy's you know still in the league. Then. He might end up squeaking 300 wins in, maybe not, but uh, he's at 289 right now. That's Craig Anderson. Yep. Um, um, was it originally actually drafted by Calgary? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I didn't. But know he had that some like he had he had a breakout. Like, kind of ran around the league a little bit in Chicago, Florida, and then had an absolute breakout season in Colorado in 2009, 2010, um, with the. Um, yep. He finished fourth in Vizina voting. And then maybe this is a pick based on just the Leafs playing Ottawa all the time. Craig Anderson kills us. And I just have seen him at his best and him stealing games. Um, mm-hmm. 2013, a 941 save percentage. Um, and just the way this draft class is, I know who you were probably thinking I was, I was, I should pick and I'm sure you're taking him next, but um the way this draft class is, there's no real difference makers. And, and if you can have a goalie that is capable of putting up a 940 save percentage and a 169 goals against average, then that's something, yeah. you know, you can, uh, you can build around. Um, so again, he uh, doesn't yeah. have quite the numbers or not even close to the numbers Ryan Miller has, but, and nobody would confuse him with Ryan Miller's career, but he's had a, re- he's had a really good career for someone that really didn't hit his stride till he was 28 years old. Yeah, kind, of, kind of similar to Tim Thomas in that sense, but like not yeah. not the success that Tim Thomas. Yes, and uh, but poor, both poor had, man's version, you know. But yeah. he had he had yeah. a, a, another season where he had a nine thirty nine save percent, nine twenty three, nine twenty six. Like this guy ha, has put up elite mm-hmm. seasons, so that's where I would go with uh, the fifth pick. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing is he's so hot and cold. And and it's kind of yeah. the story of his career where he kind of just alternates. Every year it seems like one year he's red hot, the next year he cools off, the next year he heats up again. Um, in my notes, I said, and you might like this, I said he's, you know, mm-hmm. we just talked about him. He's a lot like Cujo. Big time. Where he could really carry an average team and yeah. was like and you was can go better into Ottawa, with a he ton can steal of work. A game anytime. And, and the – yeah, and that's and that's worth something. No, I think I think and we're in a we're in a spot too now that we got out of the top four that there are guys that are you know mm-hmm. I, and I had um just one spot behind the the other guy you were probably thinking of but yeah, yeah like it uh, no there's nothing wrong with that pick at all I think that's good yeah he's uh yeah and like you say he's he's had a really good yeah. career for and I don't even didn't get I don't even started until he was 28 years old like great or anything I just like it the the way this draft is it's uh, you know what I mean, and I think he's solid. And yeah, that too. <laughs> like in, in, if you're, if I can plug his best season yep. into my net, I'll take that. Yeah, a, a career nine thirteen save percentage. For to contextualize that, Nick Havibulin's yeah. career save percentage, I believe, is nine oh seven. And would you ever guess that exactly Craig Anderson was better than Nick yeah. Havibulin? But here we are. It, Craig Anderson has. You know, the same percentage. It's not the end all be all, but it's a pretty telling stat. So he's had 
And both seasons, he finished fourth in Vezina. Yeah. So he's yeah. had a couple of dominant seasons. Yeah, absolutely. He has. And uh, yeah, just, you know, you pointed out that uh, that save percentage in a couple of those seasons, 19.63 GSAA in that 2013 season. Mm-hmm. Like he was unbelievable yeah. for that sense team. Uh, yeah, just some incredible. And you know what? Let's go one further. Just I, I didn't even think to do this. His playoff numbers. Mm-hmm. He's been a stud in the playoffs. You know, uh, right. the year of the Hamburg burglar, he, he reclaims the crease for the Senators in their final four games against Montreal that season. Yeah. 972 in those thing. four games. <laughs> he, that 922 for the Sens in their 19 games that they play in the 2017 playoffs. Of course, that was when they went to game seven of the East yeah. final. And they, lost played Montreal. they played Montreal. They played Montreal that playoff. Right? Yeah. Craig Anderson. 2015. They couldn't yeah, score they a goal. They played Montreal, lost in the first round. And then Montreal, well, yeah, like yeah. Craig Anderson versus Carey Price. Yeah. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good series. Uh, as mm-hmm. far as net mining goes, yeah. I don't know if it's that great of entertainment, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm up next and I'm going to take, uh, uh, well, Craig Anderson's not a former senator, but I'm going to take a former Ottawa senator here. And uh, 790 games played, 242 goals, 594 points. Talking about Marty Havlat, terrific, mm-hmm. amazing talent when he was healthy. Uh, awesome skill, especially pre-lockout. He might have been one of the most skilled guys in the league, but just could not stay healthy. Remember when he took that yep. hit from Cronwall in the 09 playoffs in the West Final, yeah. and he ends up playing the next game? No. I don't think that would happen no. these days. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he was officially diagnosed with a concussion, too, and still ended up playing that next game. Uh I obviously one of your favorite or uh, a favorite Havlat memory of yours might be the hit that yeah, Domi laid on him in game one of the playoffs in 01. I remember that, that was, uh, that was all over the highlights for a while. Nice open ice hit. Um, but yeah, Havlat, you got to see him, you know, that he, he broke in when the Leafs were going to war with the senators and the, he was honestly 2000s. one of the guys uh, I feared on that team. And, just because his his natural talent, he was just a mm-hmm. an unbelievable talent. And you're right, though he just couldn't he couldn't stay healthy. He kind of had that wonky skating style where he was kind of it's hard to explain. Like his his back was like straight. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. He he was uh, he he was a really really good player. And one one thing that people forget about, like he went to Chicago and just before that he started running into injuries in Ottawa but when he went to Chicago um he actually had a low-key like great career in the three years he was in Chicago if you remember during the 2006 offseason he he came off it was yeah. another injury prone season where he played 18 games had nine goals with Ottawa 16 points and they wanted to lock him up long term I want to say he missed most of that old yeah, season. Didn't he get his wrist sliced was, or something like that in the game? He wanted he they wanted to lock him up long term, and he, he just started to run into injuries. But he wanted to he wanted mm-hmm. to uh, just sign a one year deal because he wanted to test the open market, and they weren't having that. So uh, he said, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm not signing long term. I want to be a free agent." And they ended up trading him to Chicago in that three three way deal where. Ottawa got Tom Pricing and San Jose got, I think they got Mark Bell. 
<laughs> you're not the draft. draft. You're not going to tell my Tom Tracy story. Are you? Every time I see his name, I think of that. <laughs> you know what we'll do? You know what we got to do? We'll dedicate one show, maybe even the next one, yeah. and just rehash old draft stories. That's one Jonesy would go Because that would be so good to go down yeah. that. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> didn't you over didn't you like go over budget by like nine bucks or something? You no, know, that's what it was. That's what it was. It wasn't so much it was my Tom Pricing story. Yes. It was that I went nuts trying to get Wade. And then you were stuck, quote unquote, with pricing who had a huge yeah. year for this. I think he was like the league leader in plus minus, which was still yeah. a stat that we were using for our hockey draft, obviously, at the time. And and had like maybe forty points. He had a he had a yeah. he had at yeah. least as good a statistical season as Wade, maybe yeah. better. And for like a quarter of the price. I th- I thought I remember something about you going like eight bucks over budget or something like that. Well, that was that was on Wade. Yeah, I'm just look. I'm just looking at Pricing's numbers from 07 now, and he has 38 <laughs> points plus 40. Yeah, that's where people were saying just everything that could go right for me was good going numbers crazy. for fantasy. <laughs> I don't remember, but I, I did you win it in 07 or do you remember a number of times? I'm like, no, man, I wanted, I wanted pricing going into the draft. That's what I wanted. I, 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 I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's my go-to line with everyone in any fantasy sport as I kick and scream like a pussy. That's why he, uh, he, uh, yeah, so he told the Sens he was going to uh, test the market. So they ended up just trading him that offseason and not letting him get that far. And then he gets traded to mm-hmm. Chicago and he instantly signs a three-year deal with them, like the next day. <laughs> but if you look at his numbers yeah. in Chicago, 56 <laughs> games, 25 goals, 57 points. The next year he only plays 35 games, has 27 points. Next year has 81 mm-hmm. games, 77 points. And then ends up signing another big deal in Minnesota for 30 yep. mil. Um, so he definitely made like he made over 50 million mm-hmm. in his career. So um, by that alone, he should have been one of the top picks. I, I bet you he's the, would you say he's the fifth highest earner in salary in this draft? Probably I, I'd say Miller probably. Shit. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, he's, he's debt. Well, no. But yeah, he'd be, probably he'd be more than, than Anderson. He's so for sure yeah. less than Zetterberg. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah. No, I think that's. I think that's about right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's jeez. Yeah, that's crazy. He he was yeah. he was so good. His hands. That's what I remember the yeah. most is his hands were just lethal. And, and you said about that wonky skating Scott no. style, but he uh, which didn't serve him well later in his career, but. But uh, yeah, he he was fun to watch. He really was, uh, and you know what? He he wasn't bad defensively too. You know, I, I I'm not gonna say because he had Selkie votes or was 46th in 09 that he that made him a good defensive player. But I just remember, uh, you know, just about everybody that came up under Jacques Martin for the Sens yeah. was was pretty. You kind of had to be. Yeah pretty reliably reliable yeah, reliable if i can speak english uh defensively and so yeah no marty havlat uh, i remember they used him a lot on the pk especially in that 03 sends team he was on that great third yeah. line with mike fisher and i want to say uh, peter schaefer uh yeah just uh 
Yeah, just had a great years. career. That was you, your, uh, was that your pick or was that mine? Where are we at? That's that's uh, our sixth okay. pick. Okay. Yep, so you're up with the seventh. I pick. think uh, with seven again, I'm not. I don't feel great about it, but I think I'm going to go with uh, Radim Verbata. One of the nice. like you mentioned, yep. uh, I think you, yeah, one of the four. I, I don't know if that was on the air. Or off one the of air. the four. Off the air, you mentioned that, <laughs> but four players in this draft that played over a thousand games, and he's one of them. Which credit to him, like I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, um, how did he get hurt, folks? But oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say like, that. Like, come on, man. <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> because they recognize, like, seriously? Like, Someone emerged from the 99 how? draft? Like, how does a 30-year-old 60-point well, player fucking get amazing. fucking heart votes? <laughs> Out of Phoenix. Like, what is with these writers? <laughs> <laughs> it's something I've started to notice as this has gone along, like, I've been listing off the awards votes and stuff like that. And, and the, the more I li- like, so yeah. Colin and I are doing 97 the other night and we get to Marion Hosa and Hosa has never been better than top five in Selkie voting. He's, he was the best yeah. defensive winger in the league for at least a decade. And he never once well, he got leads the, top three. He leads the league in taking out eyes of one. players I love. So how about... How about fuck Mary Hosa? Yeah. I liked him as far as like he was a speedy winger. As far as like a guy who you could maybe get as a good signing. That's about it though. 284 career goals, 623 career points. I mean that season you're talking about, 35 goals, 62 points. Um I think, you know, thinking back to 2012, it's a Maybe. down year for OV. Sid was out for the year. Maybe that was it. <laughs> who won the heart? <laughs> so every the every heart. writer yeah. said, well, like, I don't know who to vote for now. Yes. Uh, yes. Verbata was Stamkos would have, but they, Tampa missed the playoffs. A 32-year-old Brian Campbell. Oh, well, of course David Brian Bacchus Campbell gets votes, too. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Backus, yeah. Backus at that is that season. I could at least see. Okay, he was the first line center for the Blues. Okay, but how does we improve? Yeah, like so I can at does, least see the case. And they got fourth place votes. Verbatim, not even fifth. Like how do you, how do you sit down as a professional sports writer and say, you know what, Radim Verbata, without him, the Coyotes would be even worse than what they were. Yeah, and and that to be, like to be to fair, be maybe he got votes because they won their division that year. Like, but. Uh, even then, you know, like, what is? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they had a good playoff run that year, but even one of the playoffs, yeah. they were massive underdogs against Chicago. They weren't. They weren't respected. Yeah. Florida won their division, division too, champs, so maybe that's that for like... sure. Well, with the eighth pick, I'm uh, I'm gonna go to the blue line as I did a lot when we did the 08 draft and mm-hmm. uh, 876 games, 186 points. Uh, not really what this guy was known for, and this guy's name is Barrett Jackman. He's uh, he's the 2003 Calder winner. After Chris Pronger went down for most of that season with a knee injury uh, in the 0-2 playoffs, he stepped into that spot for the Blues and uh, was really good. Um, 
good career for Jackman, but you know, he doesn't get started till Oh three. If he could have had more time in the dead puck era, I think he'd maybe be remembered a lot more fondly than what he is. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, again, this is just such a disaster of a draft that <laughs> Bear Jackman, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend Bear Jackman is a great player. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just love how you <laughs> basically, yeah, Bear Jackman's eight. He probably is. <laughs> oh shit! This draft. <laughs> like, would you consider him one of the worst Calder Trophy winners of all time? Yeah, that one was weird. Oh, that I mean, one because he he was, and that started at least around mid season that year. Like, I just remember he was getting all the hype, and the big thing was, oh, you know, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be the the first time in a long time that a defensive defenseman has gotten the recognition that he deserves. And yeah, it Over was eked out Zetterberg and Nash, those two clowns. Yeah, those, those guys points. who are nothing. Uh, Who's the worst? Yeah. Who's okay? You get to pick one, the worst uh, rookie of the year of all time Bear Jackman, Andrew Raycroft, who I think was the next year. Yep, or uh, or uh, in 1990, 53 year old Sergey Makarov. <laughs> He's the reason they had to change the rules on it. Yeah. <laughs> what was he? 32. Yeah. <laughs> like how the fuck do you let that happen? <laughs> I I would probably well okay so if we're going career how their careers turned out I would say Raycroft. Yeah. But if we're going, you know, what they were that season. I guess, you could say, I guess like revisionist history, but you could put Berard in that conversation too. Yeah, but that's because of injury. And yeah. He had a pretty good rookie season too. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to say about Raycroft is Raycroft was really good in all four for the Bruins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And then Macaron. Mason's another one. What's that, sorry? Sorry, cut you off. Steve Mason's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Mason's so similar to Raycroft, isn't he? Where he has that massive rookie season and then it's just nothing. Are you surprised, by the way, that I didn't pick someone else yet? Yeah, because that's now it's it's kind of bullshit that I'm not allowed to pick him right now. (laughs) Well, you can, and I'll I'll go on about him. (laughs) It's fine. But I'm going to take, well, let's see here. Who can I pick? Franco Radovich had 52 goals. No, no, you're not going to go that far. I actually, I had, I have another guy right, still I know before I got, no, I what's that? I know who I'm taking. Okay. I'm going to take some grit. Uh, <laughs> fuck. I'm going to take Ryan Malone. There you go. You, okay. Surprisingly, like way better numbers than I remembered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should be cutting that part specifically and using that as like the opening or the trailer yeah. of this trap. <laughs> you should. 
uh, Ryan Malone had, uh, you know, he didn't didn't actually get into the show until he was 24. Yeah, but then he rattled off basically seven or eight 20 goal seasons, with the exception of a couple. And that w- that's what surprised me. Yeah. And the couple that he doesn't, he actually was at, he was on pace for 20. Yeah, like I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, he was he was actually I always liked Ryan Malone, and I think yep. He, you know, he was good in Pittsburgh, then good in Tampa, and he just got—he was one of those players that got old quick. But yes, just his style of play. Um, but he—he he had Calder votes in two thousand four, and uh, and uh, had a good uh, playoff in two thousand eight. There, when the uh, I think the Penguins went to the finals that year, right? Yeah, they lost to the Wings. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's right. They lost to the Wings, so he was a big part of that team. Like he had a pretty good. Uh, pretty good run there, 16 points in 20 games. And then he was a big part of the uh, Coolis slash Len Berry uh, experiment in Tampa where they went and bought everybody they could that summer. That's right, yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, Ryan Malone had a, had a good career, you know. Had, uh... I'm surprised you didn't mention the success of his cousin Kevin from Scranton, PA. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well they're both Girl. from PA <laughs> well yeah so obviously they're cousins yeah. uh, Ryan had better hair yeah. and Kevin was a better basketball player yeah that's true that's true Kev- and, Kevin uh, was better at eating M&M's yep and Ryan Malone had uh, four hat tricks so there's that <laughs> you know <laughs> Who do you got at ten, Tyler? Okay, I'll end the I'll end the run now. I like okay. I should I probably should have picked him earlier because of how good this guy was early this is, on. This is not fair. I should have been able to pick Conway yes. at nine. Well, you could you could have. You honestly could have. It would have been fine. Uh, but I just I got a lot to say on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm taking Mike Conry here. Uh, Five hundred eighty nine games played. One hundred sixty eight goals. Three hundred sixty five points. Son of a millionaire, married an actress slash pop star. The guy will probably be remembered more for the people in his life than his hockey career. Mm -hmm. But Mike, and especially early, was damn good. Um, When he entered the league, he was getting Doug Gilmore comparisons. Yeah, Uh, I remember that well. An electric second season in the league, taking over for Doug Wade as the Oilers' number one center. It's unreal to think he's force-fed that role, yet puts up 33 goals and 60 points that season. Had had really good wingers at the time in Ryan Smith and Anson Carter, but but it was still a very impressive season. Um, no joke here. That season, he was the Oilers' most exciting player, maybe, and I say exciting, probably since the dynasty, just in terms of being capable of producing a highlight reel goal on any given night. Yeah, man. He was um, fun to watch. Yeah, he really was. He was getting a lot of big goals for them that season, and a lot of them were highlight reel. And ironically, for how shitty the Oilers have been since 02, they've always had that guy since that season, like Comrie and then Hemsky, Hall, and then, of course, McDavid. Uh, it's a shame Craig McTavish got such a hate on for him because – Comrie and Hemsky together in Edmonton in their primes would have been awesome to watch because uh, Comrie could be more of a shooter. 
And Hemsky, of course, as you know, loved Dish. Yeah. Um, the Oilers get, when they traded Mike Comrie, they trade him for Jeff Wojcicki and a first and a third. The first becomes Jonesy's boy, Rob Shrimp. Mm-hmm. And the third becomes Danny Savrat. Yeah. So they don't get shit for him. And don't give me that Jeff Wojcicki becomes Chris Pronger, not you, Tromblay, but yeah. those listening. Yeah. Uh, because they can get that done without Wojcicki. Yeah. Um, Conrad was that a money dealt... deal? Like, what was that about? Well, Comrie basically went to war. It, see, this is what it always felt like to me, is that Comrie and McTavish really started to butt heads during the 03 season. Comrie got diminished, or demoted, sorry, to the fourth line in the playoffs that year. And, like, not, not like, during the playoffs, but, like, pretty much he hurt his, I think it was his wrist or his hand, uh, middle of the 03 season. And it was like from that point forward, McTavish wanted nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. And so it just became more and more contentious with him and the organization. Eventually, and Comrie that offseason basically just wouldn't sign. Didn't matter what the Oilers Great. offered. He wouldn't, he wasn't signing back there. Uh, and so. He, like he was, flipped, yeah. he was flipped pretty quick from Philly too. Oh yeah. That mm-hmm. season. Yeah. He returns. He gets traded to Philly. He didn't he even last retur- two months in Philly. He returns to Edmonton as a member of the Phoenix Coyotes in March of that season. Yeah. Because, you know, he that's and I remember the rumor at the time, because this was the NHL, was that the Flames might shed Jerome Ginla by that trade deadline because of again money issues. Right, and that the theory was that Philly picked up Comrie so they could flip Comrie for Jerome McGinley. Uh, that was a rumor out there. I don't know if that was a strong rumor, but I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Um, fun fact about Mike Comrie is before he's dealt to Philly, he's dealt to Anaheim. Oh, and and Kevin Lowe does not allow the deal to be done. Because he agrees to the deal and then says, well, Comrie's got to pay back his, I think it was a bonus money that he had or something like that to the organization. Did you ever hear about what that trade was that Kevin Lowe agreed to and then shot down? Um, no. Scott Niedermeyer? Close. <laughs> Andy McDonald, who oh. was a really good center. Yeah. And Corey Perry. Oh, shit. <laughs> it wasn't a rumor either. It was done. It was done. And then Kevin Lowe said, well, I'm not going to do it till it was a mess. That's crazy. And that was one half of Kevin Lowe literally passing on both Getzlaff and Perry. That's insane. Because if you recall the 2003 draft, Kevin Lowe has a 17th pick. Ryan Getzlaff is on the board falls. I think he was like fifth in Bob McKenzie's rankings that year, falls all the way to 17. And uh, Kevin Lowe, who's looking for a big right-handed center, trades down instead of just simply taking Ryan Getzlaff and then takes Mark Pugliotta at 22. Oh, my God. Yeah, it would have been nice to have Getzlaff and Perry, but who needs them? Yeah. The decade of darkness has been fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I was a massive Mike Comrie fan. I'll shut up now and let you add anything you want to add. No, that's uh, that's good. I, I'm surprised with all the bad blood in Edmonton that he ended up back there, though. 
and they and was awesome until he got hurt again that season. Yeah, he was playing really good. And then his career, like I can't remember why did his career end so early? Like at thirty, injuries. He just got decimated by injury. I think his back especially right. became. He had real big back problems. I remember the beef um, on him was like he wasn't motivated because he money wasn't an issue for him. But yeah. whether that was just an easy thing for people to say. I kind of think so. Did you ever hear him on Spit and Chicklets? No. It's one of the better ones. Really? Maybe I'm biased because I'm an Oilers fan, but he is uh, pretty good. And and it, actually, it's not even his thing, but Bisonette says something to him about having the rich guy humor. Oh yeah, and and Bisonette tells the story about how Ed Jovanovski had that. So he would say things like, if he asked Jovo for a twenty or a change for a twenty, Jovo would say a twenty is change. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that line. <laughs> but yeah, Comrie, Comrie, uh, he laughs about that and he says, "No, no, no, that's not how I was at all. I always tried to downplay that." And it's it's really good because it just kind of it shows you how like he's really down to earth for a kid who grew up a millionaire and right you know kind of you know was was no one ever since he was 10 years old and his dad literally invented the brick novice tournament for him yeah uh yeah. you know it uh, it's crazy i actually sat in the box uh, his rookie year i sat in the box with bill comrie oh. uh my buddy uh well you know jason clark and so uh jason's uncle had uh, uh he shared the box with uh with comrades oh nice and so so he gave us the get the his seats for for that one game they're playing dallas in in late in the old one season and it was uh uncomfortable because you were thinking the whole time uh, i don't know these people yeah. and he's a millionaire and i don't want to talk to him because <laughs> You know, probably thinking, who the fuck is this douchey kid who's sitting in my box right now? <laughs> but yeah, you, Bill was in there. Paul was in. If you remember Paul Comrie, yeah. he had a cup of coffee with the Oilers, had to retire because of concussions. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, cool. and then Eric Eric was uh, playing uh, mini sticks, was, uh, you know. That's funny. Just this, him and his, why am I blanking on his brother's name? I want to say it's Ty. Okay. But, uh, yeah, they're playing mini sticks and, you know, little blonde kids just running around the box the entire time. And little did I know that this little blonde kid's going to be a second round pick, the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. That's fun a great story. I'm rambling. No, that's uh, a yeah, story. it is. It, it, it isn't. It isn't. And we should get on with things. Okay, <laughs> no, it you've got the Sorry. next pick. <laughs> um, okay. I guess, uh, I guess I'll take, uh, <laughs> I'm just looking. <laughs> oh, shit. This reminds me so much of when we're at the baseball draft and we're like six hours in and we're down to dunk. <laughs> uh, every every team needs a good fourth line center, and I'm going to take Chris Kelly, uh, 2011 Cup winner. Um, had ten goals eight times. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the, selkie votes. Had some selkie votes, and uh, he's, yeah. he's uh, he's doing good, and he's doing good in his career. <laughs> Who do you got? <laughs> 
Well, I'll add to Kelly because that is a good pick. Okay. That, like you say, like it's he was a checking line center his entire career. But I mean, he had you know he he wins a cup in Boston. He plays in another couple Stanley Cup finals. Sends in 07 again with Boston in 2013. Uh, he was definitely a Peter Shirelli favorite. He brought him into camp in 2018. Uh, oh, did he with the Oil? Yeah, yeah, he, he brought him in on a PTO. Didn't work out. Uh, no, yeah, it, that might have been 2019 because I'm just starting to think yeah. or 1819 because uh, Latestu would have been gone. No, he was a good, but, he was uh, a good skater. Good, he, he had a really good career, like 800. Respected, very respected. Like he, he was always listed as one of the most underrated players in the league, and and yeah, just. Uh, no, he had, he had a solid career, but I mean, as far as this podcast goes, I mean, what do you add? Yeah. You know, like he, uh, it, he wasn't anything flashy. He wasn't anything controversial. He wasn't like, he just was solid. A lot of these guys from this era got screwed out of a thousand games too, because of the labor disputes. Yeah, that's very fair. Yep. Because they, they would have went through two of them. Yeah. So the guys that are sitting around 850 games, they would have been pretty close to a, or close anyways to a thousand games. Yep. No, that's a fair point. Um, I'm glad you left me this guy, though, because my next pick, where are we at, 12? Yeah. I think it's 12 now, yeah. So my next pick, it, his claim to fame, he's more remembered now for the trade that he was in than his career, but he plays 881 games, 176 goals, 545 points. Martin Erath, mm-hmm. formerly of the Red Deer Rebels, but and formerly of the Nashville Predators, and formerly of the Washington Capitals, yeah. as he's traded there at the 2013 trade deadline, I believe it was the last pick of the day or the last trade of the day, as uh, the Caps are desperate to get somebody at the deadline. The rumor was this is a Ted Leonsis trade, not George McPhee. Yeah. But uh, they trade. They trade for Marty Erat, and whoops, <laughs> they give up Philip Forsberg, who they had just stolen Unreal. at the 2012 draft. The fact that Forsberg got to 11 at the 2012 draft was a miracle. Yeah. And then the Caps have this absolute stud of a prospect who they piss away for Marty Erat, who was a respected veteran, but it was clear by that point he was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And see, you think of that. When I think of Marty Erat, do you remember? <clears throat> I don't know if I should say his name. That was in our hockey draft. Um, Kirby. East. Oh, yeah. They're going to go East Coast connection. No. Anyway, his name was Kirby. <laughs> and he, uh, I never forget, like, he drafted Marty Erat as a rookie. And he uh, basically told me for two years how amazing Marty Erat was. So that's all I can think about when I see Marty Erat. <laughs> and I just kept saying, like, yeah, I don't see the appeal. <laughs> that'll be uh, that'll be Tim Heed for me with some of the boys. Yeah. The, a couple of years ago I picked Tim Heed. He's like one of the <laughs> like one of the waiver picks. And I said to the boys like this will be the steal of the draft. Like, because I just thought Tim Heed was going to quarterback San Jose's power play and just be, just be a point producer, even though he wasn't a very good defenseman, and it didn't even get no. that far. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those oh, yeah. guys in our drafts. Oh, jeez, I can't wait now to do a show on our old drafts. That'll be, That'll be, be good. A good time. <laughs> 
Uh, who you got at 13 then? I guess this is your last pick. It is. And I'm going to uh, – I want this guy. I'm going to pick him just so he can sit up in the press box with me and tell stories about how much we hate Mike Babcock. <laughs> It's Mike Commodore. Uh, he does have a ring, which is more I can say for the Sedins. And yep. uh... oh. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. He does. I hate how he got yeah. that ring, but he's got a ring. Actually, he was pretty damn good that playoff. Yes, he was like, very yeah. good. So uh, very and and in 04 for the Flames yeah. too. He was he hardly played during that season, but he stepped into the playoffs for the Flames. That's when he first caught my eye. He was, you know what I brought up. I'm sorry, I'm cutting nope. you off and taking your time. But he, I brought up that hockey news from that season. He was, yeah, like I just remember him being one of Jersey's top prospects yeah. in that hockey news. Rugged senior is mammoth. Yeah. That was their that was their entire write up. Oh. <laughs> so so he so again we go back to drafting at this time. Hey, if you're big, that's terrific. Yeah. You're in the league yeah. until you prove you can't play. That's bang on. Uh, but yeah, no, keep going on Commodore no, he, because it's good. He 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 was good in uh, like you said, he was good in Calgary that playoff, and then he was really good in Carolina, and then kind of had a nice stretch there with Carolina the next couple seasons and kind of parlayed that. He parlayed that into a, if I don't have it in front of me, but I think he got a pretty good free agent deal from Columbus um, Mm -hmm. for a few years. Then went to Detroit and by now I don't by uh, by his accounts, he got completely screwed by Babcock. I think it's lost on him that like, he didn't play anywhere else in the fucking league after that either. So maybe, <laughs> maybe part of the problem was him. But and I, I, I'm the first to admit when he would go on those anti Babcock rants on Twitter when I was Team Babcock, I was like, "Shut the hell up!" Like you were a fail. <laughs> like you're you literally didn't get a job anywhere else either. But now, now it's all starting to make sense. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, it's come down to me drafting a guy that's played 400 career games. <laughs> but isn't it crazy that that's all he played? I know. It seems like he would have been, like, up, maybe not a 1,000, but seven, 800. Yeah, like Mark, Mike Commodore played 484 games, but Taylor Hyatt played almost 900. Yeah. Like, that seems that's weird. That's very weird. No, it really is. Um, you got yeah, like I fourteen. Oh, sorry, you you got stuff well, to add the boat commodore. No, not really. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> <laughs> he fits in well with the guys who draft. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta, it's gotta feel good to guys like Scott Kelman when they're when they're we're redrafting this draft and they're sitting there saying, "Hey, you know what?" I might still sneak into the first round in the redraft. <laughs> oh man, it's it's that shameful. Yeah. Um, okay, there's there's a lot of guys down around this point, and none of these guys I'm taking. But like Douglas Murray, uh, we talked about Pyatt, Frank Caberlet. You know, talk about those Carolina teams. He was 
okay on those teams. Nicholas Havlid was a guy who's really underrated and kind of tough to judge where you might take him. He might actually be well worthy of being drafted and we've missed him, but that's all right. Um, we're also going to miss Nick Boynton, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Jordan Leopold with the last pick. Um, I, I just, I said it to you before we started recording. How the fuck did this guy not do more? Like he's lauded as this mobile puck moving offensive defenseman when he comes up with Calgary in 03. He's the reason Calgary does the Chris Drury, Derek Morris job is because he's going to be their power play quarterback. So Derek Morris is expendable. I mean, 695 career games, 214 points. Like 2011 is his career high in points with 35. Like, and for a guy who played quite a few years and his game was supposed to be, hey, this guy is a pretty offensive defenseman. Man, he wasn't a very offensive defenseman. No, he wasn't. Like when you <laughs> <laughs> when you think of Jordan Leopold, you actually think, yeah, offense from the blue line, and he wasn't very. Yeah, he wasn't very offensive. No, it was offensive, yes. is what it was. <laughs> like, jeez, what the hell, yeah. man? Like, I'm just it. it I, I don't know. It's yeah. That's a good pick. It just it well, and it just kind of sums up this draft, right? Yeah. Well, you know why you think that is because, like, early on in his career, like I think you said it, like he had 33 points, like in his sophomore season. So you start thinking of what he's capable of doing. Yep. <clears throat> just never. Uh, it's no coincidence, though, that his two highest point seasons, the 35 and 33, were also the two years he played the most minutes. So minutes equal, minutes yeah. equal production. And, um, yeah. No, that's fair. He, uh, But, I mean, geez, you, you're coming into 06, and the, the game should have been tailor-made for yeah. him. And he got 22. Like, that was also one of his, one of his biggest minute uh, seasons that he had. 22-20 is what he averages in 06. Mm-hmm. And he has 20 points. Yep. Yep. 20 points in 74 games. Like, what, what the fuck? It just doesn't doesn't make sense. And, yeah, yeah he, was, he was never very popular. I know Daryl Sutter always had a problem with how soft he was. Yeah. He, he, he's uh, not exactly a Sutter-type player. Oh jeez, what a what a draft! Yeah. The, you know what? This draft it's... is responsible for the Leafs' huge 2008 J- July 1st 2008 free agent haul of uh, Nicholas yep. Hagman and Jeff Finger. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I was thinking of Jeff Finger partway through this, and I couldn't remember if this was the draft yeah. that he yeah. goes in that we and we were talking about him. Okay. Tell, for those who don't know, tell the Jeff Finger story of what the rumor was anyway. That was, I believe, wasn't Cliff Fletcher in charge of the Leafs that summer? Yep. Yep, he was their interim yeah. GM. And he went out and he gave a four-year, $14 million deal to Jeff Finger, who was coming off a 19-point season. As a 28-year-old in his first full season <laughs> with the Avs. So we just thought, oh, Cliff knows more than we do. <laughs> oh, 
like it's one of those situations where it's like he has to know more than we yeah. do because there's no way and sorry keep going but um the rumor is that cliff mistake he thought jeff finger i i actually uh, can't remember who he thought he was now he thought it was another av scott hannon no no that doesn't sound right anyway not Kurt Sauer. What did it, it have been? Might have been Kurt Sauer. It was somebody else who was a free agent that yeah. summer. But anyways, yeah, they apparently he offered the wrong guy the deal, and Jeff jumped all <laughs> over it. I wouldn't if the Leafs weren't as in as good a situation with the team as they are now. I would not be laughing. Yeah. At this. <laughs> Cliff, Cliff, though, can do no wrong in my eyes. Well, brought, yeah, you definitely don't you don't judge Cliff Fletcher on what he did that season. No, he brought sure. Dougie. He brought Dougie to the Leafs, and the rest doesn't matter. He yep. also brought he also <laughs> brought Sundin to the Leafs. So yes, he, he did, did a lot of Casey, did a lot we were, of good. We were talking about that on me and Colin were. How do you like when the Sundin trade happened? What were your thoughts? I'm talking about in 94. Yeah. yeah. I was, it was tough, man. Cause we came off two really good playoffs and Wendell was the, you guys were yeah, right we there. We were right there. You were, you're, you're knocking on the door. But it's just like, <clears throat> it was, it was heartbreaking and I was devastated because you just can't picture Wendell anywhere else, especially like in Quebec. And it turned out that it just, yeah. he couldn't play anywhere else. Like, um, yeah. it was just a, a match made in heaven. Like it was like a perfect storm. He needed to be a leaf and just like Ryan Smith mm-hmm. needed to be an oiler. We talked about it earlier. Yep. Now Ryan Smith. Yep. They both would have had success in other markets, I'm sure, but in their, in their prime, oh, yeah. but, um, yeah, they got ingrained in those exactly. cities. So. And it was, it was devastating, yeah. but to his credit, man, like he brought in a 21, 22 year old stud. Um, you're trading an aging, like, Again, though, Wendell wasn't aging at that point. Like well, he was still only twenty-seven yeah. years old, but he was an old twenty-seven. Like he right. was, he looked like he was in his thirties, and he like his body felt like I'm sure he was in his mid-thirties. And so, yeah, it was it was not easy, and it sucked as a Leaf fan. But it was like I said earlier when we talked about the Sundin draft. It was one of the reasons why Sundin just never. Got the love he should have got in Toronto because he was always viewed as the guy that, you know, cost us Wendell Clark. Yeah. But. No, that's that's fair. It, you know, and I look back on it, it's like, I don't know, it's, I'm just, I'm torn on it like you are, right? Because it's, I kind of feel like he's, he's moving, he's trying to he's trying to do two things at once. He's trying to contend, but he's also trying to get younger and yep. rebuild. And it's just kind of, I don't know. Like it's I, tough. Yeah, to, it's tough it's, to give him a hard time because you traded a, an all time leaf legend, but you replaced him with an all time leaf legend. So how, how yeah, do you, how yeah, do you get exactly. angry at that? You know? Oh, it's very fair. By the way, was Kurt Sauer. Yes. I thought it was. I yeah. found, I found this with, with a little research, Dan Talinsky revealed it was more likely Kurt Sauer, whom the Leafs intended to sign. Finger finished his relatively lucrative deal in the AHL with the oh Toronto Oh my Marlins. god! Another that reminds me of the Brett Lebda signing. 
He's another one. <laughs> oh, we've had some doozies. Oh, Jason and I ran into uh, some technical difficulties uh, near the end. Actually, Jason and I didn't, but as I was editing this up, uh, it was... It was some technical issues, mainly by the time we get to the the goodbyes, uh, Jason's like three or four seconds ahead of me in recording. So we're trying to fix that. Uh, I mean, I won't have it. The only way to properly fix that is for me to invest in, in new microphones, which is something I'll be doing. Um, yeah, in the near future, I, full disclosure, I've got a couple microphones that I want to buy, some very expensive microphones that I want to buy, and they're unavailable right now thanks to COVID. So uh, I'm not going to settle on something just to get new microphones. Uh, I will get the boys really good microphones and make this podcast sound very good. Uh, Yeah, thanks for checking it out. Jason and I will be coming back next week, hopefully next week anyway, uh, barring something unforeseen happening uh, with the 2005 redraft and 2005 is night and day different from uh, 99. Uh, A ton of stuff going on around the draft. The whole first, the whole draft is a lottery. Uh, Obviously that's Sid Crosby's draft. Uh, The depth in that draft is outstanding. The, the guys at the top, you know, we, you've got, looking at the list right now, probably five Hall of Famers at the top of this draft, maybe even six. And, of course, these careers are still going on, so who knows what might happen with some of these guys. Uh, yeah, 2005 is going to be a fun, fun show to do. So uh, hope you check it out. Hope you're enjoying these with Jason. Can't thank Trombley enough for... Uh, doing another one with me and uh for continuing to do them with me it's it's a massive help i know i'm getting a lot of good feedback on how great of a job he's doing and i couldn't agree more he's he's killing it uh calling on the other show killing it thanks for listening please remember support the show any way possible five-star review on apple uh like share subscribe all that good stuff it means a ton when people do it so please urge you to uh help a brother out and uh Help me continue pushing this towards uh, making this a making this a business and seeing if I can make a go of this. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll check you next time.